We're live. Hello, everybody. Richard Hart with Adam Stokes. Looked like you wanted to do the intro. Go take it away. Yeah, Richard, how are you? Good to see you again. You've had a wide entrepreneurial career starting as an 18-year-old with cast area installations and sales from your home operating under the name of Audio Ecstasy. Then well, I mean, at first, at first, I didn't have the company. That, that came later. At first, it was just me as a human. So when I first started, you know, Audio Ecstasy didn't exist. I started that company when I first got my storefront, maybe six months after. So it was installations first, then selling cast areas. Well, it was retail first. You know, I'd put an ad out in the, in the bargain trader and I'd say, listen, you know, punch 800 watt amplifier, $190. And then, uh, people would call in and then I would go to the store and I'd get them, uh, you know, an amp and then I would meet them and they would, you know, give me the other half of the money. And then I kept doing that until I got about $7,000 saved up. And then I could have enough inventory in the house to just not have to keep driving back and forth to my supplier all day long. Because, you know, in Florida, you'd have to drive a long time. Like if you're driving from Fort Lauderdale down to Hialeah, you know, it's a two hour round trip. Then you moved on to internet uh, marketing masters. Mm -hmm. yep. I'm guessing you leveraged off the car stereo installations to move into that, that well, way? We used, we used my friend's shopping cart software for a store for Audio Ecstasy, and then he, he had built it so that you could resell it and then also resell the reselling. So it was white-labeled website builder with shopping cart and email and what you see, what you get editor, and everything built in. It was really cool um, because any idiot could make a website and do business on it. So we used it uh, for our own you know, retail first, and then... We uh, sold the idea of, hey, like, you know, you could be in the business of building websites really easy. Just make some templates and you can put people, you can onboard people really easily. So that was like the next step. And then we had a client that, you know, well, you probably are going to ask that question next. So I won't take your question from you. <laughs> well, I'm guessing you use that to leverage onto Triple X Toy Joy or Lead Feeds and Whip Out. Yeah, you remember all these things. That's amazing. <laughs> Long time well, ago, triple man. Triple X Toy Joy sounds like it would um, uh, perhaps been profitable at the time if it was um, all those years ago when I guess sex toys were coming online. Yeah, you know, on, on the internet, people tend to want things they can't get locally. And so one of the things you can't get locally is privacy. You know, if you want to go buy a giant dildo, you're not going to, I don't know, unless you're a freak, maybe you're not so excited to see the cashier staring at you while you're doing it. I don't know. <laughs> And so what about lead feeds and Wibout? I don't. I didn't actually get much on Wibout. What was Wibout? Well, there was a guy that had uh, a really, 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 really old guy, like near death, that used to be in the marketing industry. And, you know, he, uh, I think he knew my father somehow, like my father did some work for him. And then uh, he would come down to the, the shop and say, hey, you know, I think we could take this thing bigger. You should be doing like national advertisements and publications and shit. I'm like, all right, man. Cause most people, most people, when you meet them, they're full of shit, right? They just, their ideas are dumb and nothing they've done has worked out well. But in this case, the guy actually knew what he was doing. And so we, uh, we started a print media branch that, uh, just did national advertising with him, uh, kind of managing it. And then, you know, we gave him his own uh, creative person that made uh, ads that would go out in mostly news, uh, not newspapers, but magazines. And then, uh, you know, we gave him his own little tech guy to handle like <clears throat> secretarial and admin stuff. And he just, 
kicked ass. Like his idea worked and we got good deals in the media and the stuff converted. It was, it was one of the, it's one of the few times I'm, I'm, he, he died a long time ago. Um, you know, it's one of the few times in my life where I would say 5% maybe of the people that tell you things about themselves and what they can do turn out to have synergy and, and you can use that for something good. And that was one of those rare times, you know, where like, wow, this, this guy's idea worked fine and everything worked great. And it was pretty cool. <clears throat> I wouldn't have done national magazine advertising had he not brought it to my attention. Is it fair to say of all those businesses that you did <clears throat> when you started GPU mining back in 2011, mm -hmm. at a time that block rewards were 50 coins mm -hmm. per block, yep. and it, that was achievable without being part of a pool, yep. do you think your BTC mining was probably the most more profitable than all of those in the long run? No, absolutely not. Wow. That BTC mining was was basically worthless, but people just don't understand it. So they have this framing error. People People misunderstand a lot of stuff. And, and one of the things they misunderstand is like appeal to being a veteran or something. So yeah, I mined full blocks with no pool on my own solo. And so did tons and tons and tons of other people, six people every hour. And at the time it was worth $25. So this is the equivalent of saying I had $25. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, yes, I had $25. I mean, I, I mean, I'm okay with bragging about it, I guess. So, so the question is like, should you be okay bragging about things that people give you credit for that they shouldn't? And should you speak their narrative that they believe to them and, and not try and change their worldview? Or should you only brag in ways that you find acceptable and then the rest of the world might not give a shit about it all? And so it's this question of, do you wanna, do you wanna broadcast from your frame or do you wanna broadcast from their frame and if, and if communicating is meant to like transmit ideas and, and emotions, it's probably best to broadcast from their frame. So if people want to give me lots of credit for mining full blocks on my own with no pool, okay, cool. <laughs> like, well, I guess the real art <clears throat> is when did you sell those, all those coins that you got? So right. I, I know a few people who actually sold in that, you know, we've had several bull runs, if you will. And there was uh, a few of my mates who, I, I didn't know what Bitcoin was at the time, but they had thousands of Bitcoin and they sold it. One friend in particular, he got $100,000 at the time yep. for uh, lots of Bitcoins. But of course, if you held on to it and who would know, hindsight 2020 and you know, you have the story about the person who bought, if you will, $10,000 worth of pizzas with two Bitcoin or $20,000 now, but it's, you don't know. And that's what I find with tri trading. The real mm -hmm. art is not actually the buy. The real art is the sell because you have on one end when you're getting in there FOMO, the fear of missing out. So you've got this fear at the, when you go into the trade, but then when you're coming out of it, particularly if that trade starts to go up, uh, you've got greed and you think, well, if I hold in a bit longer and I hold on a bit longer, it might go up unless of course it's crashing and you think, well, I better get out of here cause I'm scared. So, you know, of all those coins that you mind, if you're comfortable saying, did, did you keep many of them? Uh, it's always smart to talk about Bitcoin or other people's Bitcoin. It's never smart to talk about your Bitcoin. There's no upside to it. It would go down there. Yeah. Well, moving forward then, you've also, you've lived all over the world and at the moment you've got 43,000 subs on YouTube and it continues to grow more than 52,000 on Twitter, author of two books and the creator of a crypto like no other, certainly that I can't see at the moment. I'm, um, I'm really excited to talk to you tonight, uh, Richard, my crypto brother about uh, Hex. Sure. Congratulations on the launch. You've, Thank you. You've done it. How's it all going? I think it's going really well. Um, 
it's hard because anytime you start, so with Hex, we had two years of energy built up for people that wanted to get in, like love the idea, wanted to participate. And you add awareness at a certain rate every day. And so we get, uh, I think about a thousand to 3000 new Bitcoin claims a day, which is about $21 million a day up to, I mean, depending on what the Bitcoin price is. So it's in between like 7 million and $21 million of, of free claims per day. That's a lot of money and they keep coming in and we keep adding new users and people keep making new stakes and people keep joining the chat rooms and you know, there's more followers on Twitter. There's more people in t.me forward slash hex crypto. I think, uh, I'll tell you how many people are there right now. <clears throat> so in hex crypto right now, there's a uh, 7242. Um, that's a lot compared to other cryptocurrencies. That's a lot. It's active. This is a very, very busy chat. So it, from my perspective, the best way to tell the success of the hex project is by the raw numbers that can't be faked. So that's going to be telegram users, particularly, you know, the number that are online. The reason you can't fake that is, or it's very hard to fake it is because, you know, it requires a telephone number. So if you wanted to fake that, you've got to have access to all the telephone numbers or I don't know, maybe, maybe there's some other way to do it that I don't know about. Um, but then you could detect if it's, if it's bullshit by are people chatting and are, is what they're saying making any sense, right? <laughs> like if you go to a chat room and it just seems like everyone's talking gibberish or they're probably bots. Um, and then those Bitcoin claims, you can't fake them. They're, you really have to have the, the cryptographic private keys to be able to spend from those addresses to make those signatures, to claim them. So over a billion dollars of BTC has claimed their hacks for free. And that means that people that could spend a billion dollars of Bitcoin have participated in the project. Now, if you, if you think, you know, over the course of a year, what percent, because those, everyone that auto, uh, everyone that free claims is auto locked 90% for 350 days from the moment they claim. So that gives us, uh, two years actually of auto stakes. So if you, if you claim the first day, that's your first year. If you claimed your last day, that's your, that's your second year. So we've got two years of people that are locked in holding hacks, uh, probably interested to see what happens and what percentage of those people, and it's over a billion dollars of value. Now, what percentage of those people will decide to reallocate some of their portfolio out of Bitcoin into hacks because it has features Bitcoin does not, uh, you know, and if you believe that lower market cap coins can give you higher ROI returns because it takes so much less economic energy to multiply their price, then, you know, there could be a lot, a lot, a lot of value. Um, and let's that's just clear up that sure. staking, the, mm -hmm. uh, especially for the, there's still some confusion around it, despite the amount of information that's out there, the people that have staked, uh, the hex, they haven't staked their Bitcoin. They've no. just shown that they've got Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. It's a snapshot. Yep. And this is what I hope to clear, clear up in the crypto community is that they have not given you their Bitcoin. You nope. have not taken their Bitcoin. You're not staking their mm -hmm. Bitcoin or yep. locking up their Bitcoin. There is a new cryptocurrency. That new cryptocurrency is Hex. When you first started to design it and create it, it was called Bitcoin Hex. Mm -hmm. You then dropped the word Bitcoin yep. uh, and changed the logo slightly. And it was just after I did an in-depth. A lot more than slightly. This logo kicks ass. <laughs> I like our logo <clears throat> a lot. Still got six sides. True. <laughs> That's, all I can really give you. That's true. But 
I, I remember when I was um, doing the in-depth review on your video on your coin, um, the Hex had the six components of the coin itself. And I, I remember this clearly because I was doing a visual, I was creating a visual in the review of the six components of Hex. Now, when you changed the name slightly and the logo, those six components of the coin didn't change at all. I don't think so. But I mean, like, it's just, it's marketing fluff, right? It's like, what does Bitcoin stand for? Trustless, immutable, whatever. Decentralized. You, know? you can choose whatever whatever marketing fluff that you want to put there, you know? <clears throat> it's not, it's not, uh, it's like, would a rose by any other name smell as sweet kind of thing? Like, would Bitcoin be as good if it was called, like, Spitcoin or something? Sure. It would be, you know, okay, maybe that logo sucks, but you get the idea. Well, the analogy I think I can leverage off what you're saying there is that when we made these other coins, as an example, we'll talk about Richard Ver in a second, but if Bitcoin Cash wasn't called called Bitcoin Cash, if it was called Pen Cash or Sticky Tape Cash. Well, that, that's a very, that's a very, so I, I, I'm an expert in marketing. I'm an expert in branding. And I have educated and written about ways to do branding better. And people just don't listen or they don't learn. So I'll give you a short one. Okay, what are the top market cap companies in the United States? Apple. Do they say app? Do they sell apples? Can you eat them? No. Amazon. Do they sell like trips through the rainforest? No. eBay. What? <laughs> uh, Google then changed their name. So Google's a weird name on its own, which means nothing related to their business. But then they changed their name to Alphabet. Okay. So if you're smart and you look at the most successful companies in the world and you look at the millions and millions and millions of dollars that they've spent to rebrand from one thing that didn't make any sense to another thing that didn't make any sense, you eventually get to understand that you need to have a company name that doesn't make any damn sense and is short and pronounceable and brandable and rememberable and doesn't have brand confusion with other things. And when you say it, you don't have to spell it to people. So if you, if you understand those very simple, obvious principles that are true in the most valuable companies in the whole world and the history of the world, well, then you should use those for yourself. So it was a, it was an error for, is this like trying to choose your own nickname? If people give you a nickname and then you try and like force your own meme and make your own nickname, you, whatever you come up with is not going to stick as well. It just won't because what is emergent from the population is stickier than whatever you're trying to force upon them. Almost always. I mean, unless you were like a joke writer or copywriter and really, really hit, or keyed in. Um, so everyone wanted to call uh, Bitcoin cash B cash because it was shorter, easier, better. Didn't have brand confusion. It, it was a superior brand that would have helped them uh, get more traction and stand out. And I believe that they made a mistake forcing their meme on the world. Um, forcing it to include the name of another product, uh, and its title. Um, and I think they did that for two reasons. You know, one, they liked the main thing so much that they, they were addicted to the word and they also wanted to kill the main thing and for the second thing to like take over its identity. So like it didn't work. I mean, if you look at the price chart, it's it obviously it did not work. Um, and they always have the opportunity to, to rebrand later if they wanted to. It's just really hard. It's like, 
um, you know, we use uh, Bitcoin to pay for things and we use decimals, 0.0000123, whatever. And that's garbage. Well, we don't have to do that. We could use mil, uh, Satoshis yeah. or millibits, but no one does. It sucks. It just, I don't like doing it. It sucks. So <laughs> it, it like, you know, getting rid of the standard system and going to metric is very, very hard and sucks. And uh, switching from uh, Bitcoin to millibits also sucks. So it's just better to make these decisions early if you can. Yeah, the large decimal places, certainly in transactions of Bitcoin, uh, they can be very unfortunate because if, in, especially when you're doing smaller transactions, if you miss one zero, uh, right. it creates a big difference at the other end and, and that's only going to amplify. As Reasoning about decimals is terrible. And in and, and Hex, we solved that. So that's that's one of the many things that we've solved. Now, we're enduring a little bit of pain for that solution currently. So, you know, Hex's units were designed for optimal performance at the end of the launch phase. They were not designed for optimal performance at the beginning of the launch phase. So where, you know, right now, um, you used to be able to buy hex uh, for one Satoshi per hex on the, on the Bitcoin pair. But then it became cheaper to buy it on the Ethereum pair. And so people emptied out the Bitcoin order book of bids and now it's just sells. So there's still like one Satoshi sells there. I, I haven't looked right now, but the, I'm pretty sure this is the case because it's an efficient market. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, the place that had the highest volume is called buydesk.com. And uh, I think it's like 15 or 30 grand a day or something like that. So someone emptied the order book of the one sat bids. So now there's just one sat sells there. There's no bids under it because, you know, that exchange doesn't support more decimals and most exchanges don't. So on the BTC pair, one sat's the lowest that you can buy. So now um, everyone's playing on the Ethereum pairs because you can have resolution and price, you know, you can choose a bunch of different price points below one sat on the Ethereum pair. So now all the trading's on that pair, which is like the only reason that that kind of sucks is because if you hold Bitcoin already, then you need to transform it into Ethereum to to trade and things like that. So I would like to see the price go back over one sat, two sat, that area so that, you know, the Bitcoin pair could be lively and vibrant again. And this is the result of uh, that units, that unit selection, which is optimized for later. It's not optimized for now, right? So, so is, uh, a hex is still divisible, like it can still be broken sure. up into oh, small yeah. parts, like any digital currency. Oh yeah, it, hex has eight decimals, <laughs> just like Bitcoin does. So you can divide each hex up as many times as you can divide Bitcoin up. However, mm -hmm. you know, Bitcoin, uh, has about 18 million coins right now and hex has like four or six billion coins right now that are uh not staked i think there's like 60 billion including all the staked ones actually i can give you exact numbers there's this really cool website our community's put up uh like 10 amazing websites that are just really 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 cool that show you everything like here's a chart of all the stakes that are expiring over the future here's what percent is staked so right now uh, 87% is staked. Circulating supply is 6 billion. Total supply is 46 billion. Um, there's 79,940 active stakes. 2,684 have ended. Uh, 
1,228 paid penalties. That's very interesting. It's actually quite high. I didn't, I didn't expect that to be that high. So you can, if you end your stake early or more than two weeks late, then you get penalized. Uh, and the, the stakers benefit from that. They, they get paid on that. And why would they have ended early? So I, I heard you say that um, there have actually been some exchanges who have approached you. And sure. in my opinion, that is actually the true sign of success besides the market adopting it. But when you actually see, as you know, when you launch a coin, one of the big things is to get on exchange. And sometimes you're paying exchanges to put your coin on those exchanges. But if those exchanges are approaching you and saying, hey, can we list your coin? To me, that's a, that's a really positive sign. And right. Are these things getting on exchanges? And if not, what are they? Well, it's already, on, it's already on 11 exchanges that I know of. Might be None on of more. which you had to pay to get on there? No. They're all cool. free. Um, so the, uh, I have a difference of opinion about the value of exchanges. I don't think exchanges are that valuable. Uh, and I'll explain why. So we have in, in Hex a trustless, immutable, distributed cryptocurrency with no central point of failure. So I could die, Hex website could go offline. You can still use etherscan.io to do everything that you want. And other people have built uh, front ends as well. And you could use their front ends. It's all in the blockchain, right? So what else is awesome on top of that? If you want to trade and get in and out, well, wouldn't it be cool if there was a trustless, decentralized, immutable contract, which Hex plugged into, that allowed you to buy and sell Hex with no counterparty risk and with only a 0.3% fee? Well, yeah, and we have that already. So if you, if you go to, um, to t.me forward slash Hex crypto and you click the pinned link up top, it's going to give you a link to like 15 chat rooms and 10 of those amazing websites that analyze who are the big stakers? When did they get in? What's the leaderboard? How much did they pay? Uh, you know, it's, it's crazy how many stats that are there. I'm going to, that'll probably be my next video. This is going through those websites, showing you how amazing they are. Um, so they, if you want to get in or out of hex, you can do it instantly, trustlessly with no counterparty risk, no AML, no KYC, none of that bullshit immediately. And it gets you from Ethereum into Hex and Hex into Ethereum. And then all these exchanges already support Ethereum. And so how, how much do you really need Hex to be on an exchange when you, you can instantly trustlessly get it through the adoption amplifier, which turns Ethereum into Hex, or through Uniswap, which turns Ethereum into Hex, or Hex into Ethereum? You don't really actually need that, right? And so let's talk about what other benefits an exchange brings. <clears throat> do things get delisted off exchanges? Yes, all the time. Why? Because they don't do any volume. Why? Because people either don't care about that coin on that exchange, or that exchange just sucks, or the coin sucks. So what really matters? What really matters is users. And how do you tell whether someone's a user or not? Well, are they free claiming? Are they staking? Are they transforming Ethereum into Hex? Are they, are they participating in chat? These are how you know how many real users you've got. So if you get on, if, if getting on exchanges was so awesome, well, we're on 10 of them and show me the awesome, 
most of them don't do any volume, any volume at all. So, and, and why would they, when we've got two superior methods? So I think Uniswap is the, the best way to get in and out because it doesn't involve any counterparty risk. There's no one that can run away with your coins. Uh, you know, so I, I think, I think the adoption amplifier, which is hex itself. And I think Uniswap are the best exchanges that we have and that everything else is inferior. And so why would they ever do volume? If the exchange, if, if an exchange lists a coin and then doesn't promote it to anybody, well, then how are people going to know to click it and play around with it? And so what, mm -hmm. so what it really comes down to is the, the exchange has to do marketing to its own users to get them to perform certain behaviors. And if the exchange makes money on volume, then the behavior they want is for you to mash, buy and sell as many times as you can for as big as you can. So they make the largest house advantage against you. Um, <clears throat> so if they're not able to reach out to their own users and get them to do those things, what am I supposed to do that for them? Like here, let me, let me get a hold of your users or are they just leeching on my popularity and knowing that I've got a larger audience than they do and hoping that, you know, I'm the one that makes their exchange successful, which, you know, that, that worked out for my desk because no one had ever heard of them before. And now they've got quite a few users and probably because I said, Hey guys, take a look, try this out. Right. So I think, I think a lot of these listings that you see for Hex are for, you know, exchanges that want to piggyback off of my, my, uh, audience, so to speak. Well, <clears> perhaps for, uh, some exchanges, they win others, you win, but in any chance, in any case, hopefully it's a synergistic relationship where, you know, one plus one equals more than three, but I've, I've got a couple of questions that I want to mm -hmm. put to you before, before we get sort of get off Hex, um, Hex is big, but there's. There's a lot to Richard Hart that I want to dive into, and there's some of the stuff that you've been talking about. I got about hours and hours, buddy. Oh, good man. Take as long as uh, you The only thing that's holding me up is, is this smoke here. As you know, Australia's mm -hmm. burning at the moment, and we're in a really difficult situation. The, the amount of smoke is beyond comprehension. There's uh, evacuations everywhere. We're down on water. We had about a few seconds of rain today uh, in the nation's capital, and then we thought the gods had opened up to us, and then they just said, no, nah, we're taking it away. And, of course, it's so hot, everything that fell just dried, dried up straight away. But hopefully good things will will be coming as uh, the Australian Defence Force has been activated to help with these uh, evacuations and movements of supplies. Uh, hopefully more money is coming in to help our good rural fire services because they appear to be uh, very understaffed and under-equipped and there's a lot of political pressure as well happening in the background but I, I don't want to talk too much about the political stuff because it, it, it could be um, it's floating up a lot of emotion. Can, can I mention, <clears throat> can we bring up something about the hex price? Because chat's asking about it. Yeah, of course. Okay. So, so the hex, the hex price is known only through one system, which is exchanges. And the two exchanges that have the most volume are buydesk.com, which is centralized but you can deposit Bitcoin, you can deposit Monero, Monero, you can deposit a lot of different stuff. I think like 25% of the circulating supply or maybe 20% of the circulating supply is on Bydesk. Some large percent of the, of the total coins that could be sold is there, um, last I looked. So if they're not, if they're not, if it's not 20 or 25% of the total, it's at least the most of any exchange. So what sets the price there? People buying and selling. Okay. So if you're an, if you're a trader 
what do you want to do? You want to be profitable. So what's one way you can be profitable? It's called arbitrage. You sell something and then you buy it for less somewhere else. So what happens is people will join the AA system and they'll get coins at a certain rate, uh, at a certain ratio. They'll mint their own coins at a certain ratio directly from the hex contract. And that happens every day at uh, 7 p.m. Uh, EST. So when they do that, they now can, if the price on exchange is higher than what they just got from the contract, then they can sell the price down on exchange down to the rate at which they acquired those coins and they make that difference. And so every day that there's a new uh, AA round at 7 p.m. EST, if people get a better deal there than the price was just in exchange, then they will transfer those coins or use coins they already have, perhaps already sitting at the exchange, and they'll sell the price down. So as long as arbitragers are able to get coins cheaper from AA than the price at 7 p.m. EST was on an exchange like Uniswap or like Bydesk, then they're going to arbitrage it and make that difference and equalize the two prices. Now this only works, this only works one direction. So if the price in AA, and I don't like to call it a price because you're not, you're not buying them. You're minting them at a ratio. You're minting your own coins. So in the, in the AA system, if the ratio at which you mint your coins is better than the ratio, uh, which you could buy or sell at, uh, in the exchange, then low AA ratios will push exchange price down as long as people are arbitraging them. Now let's look at another situation. What if for some reason, uh, people like participating in the AA system more because it's the absolute minimum counterparty risk. There's, there's no counterparty risk. You are your own counterparty. You're the one running software, minting your own coins. If that price goes up, then there's no sell pressure from arbitragers getting a better ratio here and then selling onto the exchange. And so I can't predict what's going to happen. I can give you a situation that could occur um, and you can assign your own probabilities to the likelihood of it. If AA finds a plateau, which seems pretty common in crypto, right? When you look at charts, they tend to eventually get flat. If it finds that plateau and starts to go up, or if it just starts to go up without a plateau, then someone could come along and buy up all the cells that are on the exchanges and then leave the arbitrage guys like chasing the market because you know, they had inventory there. They were willing to sell thinking that they could replenish their supply from the contract again, but then someone came along and just buys up both and takes away all their supply that they could have used to sell down on the exchange while making it so that they can't replenish. And then that's it. They wish they didn't sell the bottom, right? Because a trader doing arbitrage would have been better off just holding their inventory in a trending market where you have price moving up. And so that's, that's the being a market maker and being a trader involves guessing the range, right? And if you don't guess the range, right, and you have to chase the market, well, you, you could have a lost if you were on the wrong side of it at that moment, right? Like, you know, or lost opportunity cost by just would have made more holding when the market leaves your range and then you have to chase it and buy inventory higher, um, to be able to try and market make again. 
So, you know, right now, uh, we're still dealing with extremely low volumes. And this is the result of two years of pent up interest and energy blowing their loads on day one. And then now we have static growth in interest. And then in crypto, these things tend to get exponential. And during this phase that's not exponential yet, it looks like less exciting because it looks like horizontal. But really, if it ends up being exponential, this part right now is very important, right? So I don't know. So when people, people keep, people keep shit talking the price because people want it in so bad on day one, even though I published charts that showed, Hey, look, EOS had this launch with 350 periods, just like we did. And look at how people over from a day one. And, you know, maybe, maybe that means something to you. And even though there was twice as much supply on day one, um, to try and cancel out some of that over FOMO, it was, it's hard to cancel out 25 X over FOMO. And so, well, and let's also be fair the the, mar the entire market is, is kind of flat at the moment. So you'd have to be something like everything's kind of moving sideways at the moment. Nothing's mm -hmm. really, you know, we're not in a bull run. We're not, we're not really in a crypto winter. We're, we're just sort of in this stagnant area and the launch of your coin at this time, I, I would actually argue this. If we, if you launched your coin in the middle of the bull run, I think you'd get haters saying, well, the only reason why it's going up is because everything's going up. And if you launched it while everything was crashing, the haters would still say, well, we told you it was shit because it's crashing. And now that you've actually launched it in a flat market and it's doing what the market's doing, well, I, I think we're in neutral territory. I think it's doing, A, what you said it would do, would do and B, what the market's doing. Well, people... So people want to either... It, there's a lot of people that derive great pleasure and benefit from hating other people. It's great. It's fun. However, because of that, they will fit the facts to match their narrative so that they can get the feelings that they want to feel. So let me, let me describe to you a world in order for the hex price to have not been set high and then gone low, the amount of economic energy coming in day one would have necessarily been equaled the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. And then if you wanted price appreciation, it would have to go up. And so the, the, the market cap that the first day participants assigned hex, if you took the price, if you took the price, I phrase this, the ratio at which they converted Ethereum into hex on the first day was to a degree that if that same ratio were applied for the total supply of the currency at the end of launch phase, after 350 rounds of AA, it would be about 2 billion USD. So if the same, if the same amount of economic energy, and this is probably off by 50% because the supply was like double the first day. I mean, there's some, there's some rounding and inaccuracies in here, but I'm, I'm giving you like a rough overview. If, if people wanted to see that, that ratio maintain or increase, then instantly at launch, the market cap of hex would have needed to be 2 billion USD, assuming that all of the currency, uh, was counted for market cap, which is not how that works. The way market cap works is actually only circulating supply times price equals market cap. And in hex, since about 90% is staked, 
Well, that means the price would have to be 10 times higher because you're missing that extra 90% of supply to multiply in. So, so you, <laughs> the world in which people could over FOMO that hard day one and then not have a dip after would be a world where every single day, hundreds of thousands, like I think you would need, I mean, I think you'd need like $1.5 million every day to come in because 3 million, about 3 million came in the first day, but it was double supply. And so now, uh, if, if you, if you've got a price, half the supply, then you can, you can do it with half the money. So that's 1.5 million. So in order, so in order for the, in order for the AA system, like ratio price, market cap, all that stuff to have not done a dip, there would have to be 1.5 million of, uh, ETH being transformed into hacks every single day. And this is just looking at the AA ratio, right? So like it just, that world is not easy to achieve. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how many coins, let alone new ones, can get 1.5 million USD of input economic energy to maintain that day one ratio. It's just not. It's not realistic or feasible. I mean, it takes time to scale. It takes time to get exponential. If you look at the chart of any cryptocurrency, there's big ups and big downs, and so this is to be expected. And it is what I told everybody. So if, if you're in crypto and you're not holding a stable coin, it's very likely you're going to get an 85 to 95% dip at some point period, because that's, that's what Bitcoin does. It's what Ethereum does. It's what just about every cryptocurrency that's not a stable coin does. So what matters, what, I'm almost done for what matters to hex is onboarding new users, more BTC free claims, more stakes, more addresses participating, uh, you know, more economic energy and AA is nice. Um, that relieves the uh, arbitrage pressure off the exchanges. And these, these are, you know, onboarding new users, um, you know, the community building more websites, you know, people starting YouTube channels just to talk about hacks. Seen quite a few of those people starting, um, new companies just to, to work around hacks. There's all this amazing innovation and development and this, the ecosystem keeps getting better. It keeps getting better every single day. That's what matters. If, if the price had pumped right now, would it really matter to you? It, it only matters if you're going to sell, if you weren't going to sell a pump right now, anyway, does it like, what, what's, what's the deal? So pe people that are trying to look at day 30 for like, you know, <laughs> like go, go up 10 X right now. I don't know. It, I guess it could happen on a liquid exchange. I mean, you, there's only two exchanges on coin market cap that are tracked and only one of them is counted for volume and for, uh, for price data. There's only one exchange that tracks uh, Hex's price uh, in coin market cap, and that's TAGZ, which is actually in Australia. Um, and there's like no volume there. So anyone could set the price to basically anything they want there for almost no money because there's no volume. Like I think, I think for maybe a thousand dollars, you could five X the price or something. <clears throat> well, particularly when you're staking your, um, you're staking something that didn't cost you anything. So uh, in my opinion, you, you stake it, you lock in the contract and you, well, in, in my mind, I, I walk away and I look at other things. It's not that I walk away from the project. It's that I start to focus my energy on something else because I, I knew what the deal was. Deal was I've staked it. <clears throat> and now it's time to, to move on and certainly talk about crypto and, and Hex in itself, but look at other projects and look at what you're doing in, in the other space. But one of the things I wanted to ask, which I think a lot of the people are asking, if you're, if you're able to say, how do you make money off this project? And 
how much do you expect to make off it? Well, as I said about the Bitcoin thing, it's always good to talk about project in general or other people's coins, but never your own. So I'll do something similar, but I think I'll answer your question. Uh, I, I think I'll answer a different question that gives you the same feeling that you wanted. So there's two, there's two addresses in Hex that are in the contract. So if you read the code, there's an origin address and there's a flush address. So when Ethereum is transformed into Hex, uh, the Ethereum that the contract receives can be flushed by anyone uh, that runs it and go on etherscan.io and run the flush function, maybe cost a couple pennies. And that uh, transfers the ETH out of the contract into the flush address. And that's received over 50,000 uh, 50, Ethereum so far, which is like, I don't know, the price was like 150 when that 3 million came in that day. And then that trended down to like 125. I think it's like 130 now. So maybe if you measured each end of the day price, I think it adds up to like 7.2 million. Uh, and then if you, if you just price it at today, I think it's like 6.2 million. Um, so that's what the, uh, roughly what the flush address has received. And so if, if anyone or anything has those keys, they can do whatever they want with that. Um, and whatever they do with that is not going to benefit anyone uh, that participates in Hex because it's not a security. And in securities, you give money to a common pool with the expectation of profit solely from the work of others. And so even though you're doing all the work and you're minting your own coins and you are the network and it's peer to peer, it's still nice to also not have any promises of returns above and beyond just to make sure that everyone knows that this is not a security. So it's a little bit of overkill. It's to, it's to, to give the project more regulatory certainty. So you must have no expectations of any profit from the work of others. Um, now that other address is called the flush address, or we've covered the flush. Uh, the other address is called the origin address. And it, uh, during the uh, launch phase, the 350 day launch phase, I guess you could count 351 days if you count the first a entries uh, that gets a copy of bonuses. So if you get a 10% referral, like you click someone's referral link, you get a 10% bonus, it gets a copy. If you refer somebody and you get 20%, it gets a copy. If you get a speed bonus, um, because you claim the first day, you got a 20% speed bonus on your free claim, it gets a copy. Um, so it also gets uh, half of the penalties. So there's like 1,281 addresses that uh, paid penalties either early or late. Whatever those penalties uh, are, they get uh, divided in two. Uh, one half goes to the stakers and one half goes to the origin address. And that, that particular thing is the only thing that exists after the launch phase is over. So the, uh, the, the thought on that is basically like, okay, someone else screwed up, the stakers get a part, the origin gets apart. It's 50-50. Um, so that's it. I, I respect uh, financial privacy the same as medical privacy. There, there's certain stuff that you shouldn't have to share, and mm -hmm. privacy is you know, part of the crypto evolution in many ways. So, But what I am trying to touch on is, I guess, in the first instance, did you, stake, did you get a snapshot of your Bitcoin and participate just I can't. as everyone else? So I have, I have a... I must be ultra specific and careful with my language because 
if I speak incorrectly, some people could be very pissed off or some governments could be very pissed off. And I like governments happy. So if I start to say things that could give you expectations, that's a no-no. We're in the no expectations game. If I, uh, if just like when I speak about price in my brain, I have opinions about price, but I can't share them with you. So what you get to know is that I have no idea what's going to happen because I really don't. I mean, in a, in a liquid market, anyone can make anything happen. You could dump the price to zero and just empty the order book for probably pretty cheap. You could pump the price hundred X for probably pretty cheap. I mean, like, <laughs> like you get, so, <clears throat> so like this question of what did I claim, you know, I can't, I can't tell you. <laughs> like, no, you don't know not what you claim. Could you claim, like, could you claim Bitcoin? Could you, cause I remember when I was, um, deep diving into it, there was, mm -hmm. it was whale proof. You were, and I'm not, no, it's not whale proof. Any, so the way the claiming works is there's a 50% penalty. If you have a thousand BTC in an address or over. Yeah. But then you just break it up which I saw someone do. Yeah. So because yeah. this stuff is all public, you can actually like, if you want to just sit there and do research and stare and think a lot, I, I found a whale. I found a whale and I was like, damn, look at this guy. Cause I mean, I, you know, I don't have time to do this shit, but I was looking, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you clues on how I figured it out, but there was this one interesting metric I saw on one of the sites and I was like, Oh, that's interesting. How did that happen? And then I started to look into this address. Some, some whale had uh, $80 million of Bitcoin. And they split that shit up before they claimed. And they split it into like, you know, 10 or 11, I think 11 or 12 uh, different addresses. There was, the, there was like 11, there was like 10 or 11 addresses. There were like 995 Bitcoin or something like that. So a whale that had 12,000 BTC uh, and that's about $80 million of economic energy, split his wallets up under a thousand each to not get murdered by the silly whale penalty and claimed his hex and is transforming Ethereum into hex every day. So that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool that a person with a person or entity with $80 million of, of Bitcoin under his control avoided the silly whale penalty by being a smart whale and splitting his wallet up into under thousand and, uh, is participating in the adoption amplifier. That's amazing. You know, um, if you think that the entire economic energy input into the adoption amplifier thus far is less than 8 million, that's less than 10% of this one dude stack. So he's got at least two years. If he keeps entering AA every day, he's got two years to, to enjoy this ecosystem. And if it performs to a degree that he likes and it has features uh, that he likes, or perhaps price appreciation that he likes that Bitcoin's not showing him, I wouldn't be surprised if a person like that reduced some of their Bitcoin exposure and turned it into hex exposure. So it's, that was, I thought that was pretty fucking cool. <laughs> like, okay. I, I thought that was really cool. We, we won't go into you staking, but in the code, there's, you know, when you have other coins that are created, <clears throat> there's one, I've reviewed a lot of coins, nothing like yours, but I remember one in particular, and I won't say the name, but when they made, they made a supply, and I'll just make up numbers, but let's say they made a, a billion coins. They, they reserved, well, there's a few that have done this, but one in particular I'm thinking, they reserved 51% for the founder. Right. And 
Now, I know that can't be done for you because the supply is not determined yet because we're still going through the staking. Uh, we're still going through the claiming phase. Uh -huh. and, and, of course, all the affiliates. So we actually don't know the supply yet. But in other coins, we do know the supply and the creators have already put a, a percentage aside. And, and to me, that's a bit of an alarm bell, particularly if they can just evacuate out of there. Again, not going specifically into what you hold, but there there is no... Well, I can give you all the numbers that you want. So, I mean, I just... What I do is when you ask me these questions, I just sidestep the me identity crap and just tell you the numbers that you want to know. Because, like, right but now, you want to know, can know someone dump all hold? the hacks? Yeah. But the, the people want right. to know how many do you hold and can you dump it? Hex was literally created to prevent surprise dumping through locking yeah. up your coins. So it's yeah. funny. It's funny that this question gets asked when you're like, the whole idea, the whole idea behind the currency, is to prevent what you're talking about. That's why staking exists. <laughs> this is like, cool. as long as you're not above the law, I think this is. Um, no, there's no, there's the absolutely the no, there's no preferential. There's there's no private functions. They're all public functions, and the two addresses that. The only two addresses that are any different from anyone else's are the origin and the flush. And without those addresses, the system wouldn't exist at all. So if you like the fact that it exists, be happy that those exist. Um, as I said, the, the half, the copy of bonuses that uh, origin gets stops and goes away along with all the bonuses on day 351. I guess you could call it day 353 because that's when the, the big payday is credited. Um, and then, you know, the flush, the flush address is very interesting because if the flush has ETH, well, it doesn't have hex, so it can't hurt the hex price. So that's cool, right? Like the flush could, you know, uh, dump all the ETH it gets and it's not going to affect the hex price. So that's nice. Um, what else? Did that, did that did that answer the question? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you, and um, I I'm also uh, to our viewers, to our live viewers at the moment. Um, oh, hold on, I got one for chat. Chat yeah, chat thinks they're smart. I like chat. So listen, guys in chat, every single question or complaint that you have has already been addressed hundreds of times, so heavily that we have set up entire chat rooms just to address your complaints, because you think you're smart, you think you've discovered things. So one, to let you know that you're not smart and you haven't discovered shit, you're the thousandth guy to mention it, you could call trigger exclamation mark new, and it'll give you my recording of saying that to you and text to help you understand it. So if you want to shit talk the origin address, you just go to uh, t.me forward slash hex FUD and click the pinned, and then it will explain things to you like XLM went, which is Lumens, went from nowhere to a top 10 crypto. I don't not sure if it's still top 10. Um, and it did that with 80% of the supply in a foundation. And then the foundation burnt a bunch of coins and then they ended up with an even larger percent of the supply. And they went from nowhere to top 10. XRP, the number, sometimes number two crypto, currently number three crypto, went from nowhere to number two and number three with 60% owned in a single entity. And so this idea that and, and I would love for you guys to give me charts of what the actual ownership break, like breakdown looks like in other top 10 cryptocurrencies. And I think you'll find there's a lot of centralization. So like Bitcoin has 42% of its coins in 2000 addresses. And most people have more than one address. 
So what is that? 1,500 people that actually control 42% of Bitcoin supply? Interesting. Stellar just currently in at number 10 within the chart. So it, it, it has come Thank up you. into the spin. Yeah, it, nice. it pushed down, as we know, it dropped way down and then has come back up again. So yeah, yeah Stellar number so, 10. So look at, look at it this way. Uh, Jeff Bezos launched Amazon owning 51%. Now it's common that founders want to own 51% so that they can continue to control the company and not worry about hostile takeovers with someone getting a larger percent than they have and then forcing them out of the board and then they can't make decisions about their own company anymore. And kind of founders have evolved into offering a second class of shares, which allows you ownership rights, but without voting, and then you can't change management. So, you know, Zuckerberg kind of played that game, I believe, where even if he has less than 50%, you can't get rid of his, his voting power. So in those systems, would, would Amazon holders have been better off if Bezos had owned 25% or 80%? Well, in reality, that, that ratio never matters unless he's selling or it's a control issue. If someone's not selling or not using it to control, well, they're not hitting the price. So what matters isn't, it's not as much the presence of whales it's what are the whales doing? Are they doing things which amplify the ecosystem? Are they doing things, are they hurting the price? Are they helping the price? So, you know, right now, take Roger Ver. Would you consider Roger Ver to be a Bitcoin cash whale? Probably. Now, how hard does he work to make that coin go up? He wears the t-shirt, every word out of his mouth contains the brand name. He's 100% dedicated to it. Do you think he'd be 100% dedicated if he wasn't a whale? And would that be better for everybody? So I think, I think whales are demonized to a degree because people don't actually understand how it works. So for instance, uh, let's take that guy that runs, uh, that, uh, not galaxy digital. What is it? Grayscale trust. So grayscale trust, in the United States opens up these funds that allow, you know, people to buy in the normal stock market exposure to crypto assets. So he opened up one for Ethereum Classic. Now, do you think he might have owned some Ethereum Classic before he decided to make an entity to list it? Now, do you think he would have made an entity to list it if he didn't own some? And so if you want to see whales doing whale things and doing shit that the, the plebs and the noobs can't get done, like giant marketing campaigns or starting up new businesses or maybe getting a listing on some place that cost a million or two million dollars, you need fucking whales to do that. Um, so now... and. Just so we're clear, in Hex, don't expect any of that shit from me. Nothing. Expect absolutely nothing. Not a security. The, this is the just whales, defending whales in general. Yeah, if you, I mean, if you had, making a distinction between the whales and themselves, if you had Roger Ver pumping his own coin, and if we want to label him as a whale pumping his own coin, well, fair enough, but it, it's his, if you will, business, his brand, his baby. <clears> and I, I would expect that. But then you've got these other whales who may not even like crypto, but are, are filthy rich and can come in and manipulate a price very quickly and come so in and out. It's so, and it's, it's such a when, weird, when, go ahead. So when, when people outside the crypto space come to me and they say, yeah, but there's manipulation of the market. And I say, well, of course there's manipulation of the market, there's manipulation of every single market in the world. The only thing with crypto is because it's such more mar small market caps, they're far more malleable than, for example, the gold market or, um, other big markets that have massive massive market caps and there's a percentage of the money that you can pump into those markets just to get in and out and move a price very quickly 
But as we see over time that as these market caps get bigger, uh, the manipulation of these prices becomes harder mm, because you need more money to manipulate these prices. I don't know. Well, about that. think about it. If, if I had a market cap of a hundred, if I had a market cap of a hundred dollars, I, I really only need a hundred dollars to to double that market cap. But if I've got a market cap of uh, Bitcoin at the moment, 135 billion US dollars, well, to double that market cap, I need 135 billion US dollars to to pump. Well, I, I couldn't even do it because there wouldn't be enough circulating supply. Oh, uh, that is, so, I wouldn't be able to buy that many. People think that market manipulation is without risk. They don't understand how it works. Let me give you a hypothetical example. Let's say you wanted to get hex cheaper. Well, first, let's get rid of that one Satoshi thing and make it so it can't even trade on BTC anymore. That looks like shit. Cool. And now let's set up lots of bids in the Ethereum pair because that's where people will go. And then let's scare them with a big sell wall. Big sell wall. Scare them. And then everyone that wants to sell, they have to sell lower than you. And then they could go into your bids, right? Sure, you could do that. Now, what's the risk? The risk is that someone else goes, oh, look, someone's trying to fuck around with the price. And I've wanted to get into Hex for uh, a, a good deal. And there would have been slippage. I would have, I would have to get in, you know, I would have had to eat so much higher into the order book at worse prices. But now this nice whale has put this nice chunk here to scare people. Buy it in one single move. And now the guy that was trying to push the price down to get his bids filled, just got super fucked because he was wanting to acquire more hacks and he was using the hacks he got to try and push the price down. But now some other wheel comes along and is like, oh, cool, thanks. Buys his bid in a single order or buys his ask in a single order. And now that guy's got to chase the market again. That's right. And at the same time, the market sees, hey, this thing is selling. The price goes up. More people jump in in FOMO so, and then whales push further and further out. So my, my point is that like, if you try and play these games with like, setting or bid or an ask to get fills on the other side of it some other whale can come along and fuck you up or yeah. it doesn't even have to be a whale like you could have just got the market timing wrong and uh president g in china decides to say something nice about blockchain and you get a 42 percent daily candle and then your fucking little mini wall it didn't matter right so that okay. that idea that you can push markets around and make free profit on them it is i just I don't see anyone that has been able to do that without huge risk. Like I, I don't, I'm unaware of a single story where someone was successful manipulating the price. I would love to hear about them, right? Like I'd love to hear fairy tales about Kaiser Sose and what he did to manipulate the price and how well it worked for him. Cause I, I think it'd be fun to hear them. But from my perspective, it just looks like a shitload of risk. And, and I want to go back to that, uh, that, whale percentage shit if you if you could get jeff bezos who's the richest man in the united states and his wife through divorce is like the 10th richest person lol um if you could get him to to buy half the shares in your company would you want that yes yes you would why because maybe he would tie you into amazon somewhere Maybe he would tie you into one of his amazing businesses of which he has many. So if you, if you dilute yourself 50%, can't you in theory make up for that by a two X in price? 
And if crypto goes up thousands of X, who really gives a shit about a two X for something that is mandatory, right? So like for instance, in hex, now that the, the examples are different because in that example I gave you, he's doing entrepreneurial effort and shit, right? But in this hex example, it is a different analogy. There's no entrepreneurial effort. Um, if hex wouldn't have existed, had there not been an origin address that got a copy of bonuses, doesn't get anything on base claims, doesn't get any interest from your claim or from your stakes, just gets copy of bonuses. If, if it didn't get those things, hex wouldn't exist. Okay, well, do you want hex to exist? Did you build hex? Did you, did, was your idea? Did you pay developers? Did you, no, you didn't do shit? Okay, you're just basically the last guy in, right? Like, I don't, <laughs> like, this cut, the fact that XRP pumped hard as fuck and is number two and number three crypto was 60%. XLM pumped hard as fuck with 80%. The fact that something that gets less than 50% has to make all these fucking claims, like, Hey, you know, like capitalism's okay. And fucking if it, it's like, it's a better deal than what other things are offering and it's free and, 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 and your arguments against whales are silly. And then, then it's like, well, the, the bit I don't get Richard, if, if, if whales aren't such an issue and they don't do nothing to worry about, mm -hmm. why would a component of your coin be yep. whale proof? Like if it's nothing to worry about, why would you? Why would you put so much effort into establishing a component of your coin mm -hmm. is to avoid whales? Because we're not killing whales. We're making new ones. We're just replacing them. We're getting rid of Bitcoin whales to create hex whales. As a matter of fact, hex whales are rewarded. We have a bigger pays better feature, which literally just rewards you the larger your stake is. So you don't spam up the system with extra stakes and extra throughput for no reason. You're incentivized to combine it into one single stake. It emulates what they do with jumbo CDs, where if you pay, uh, if you lock up a hundred thousand US, you get a preferential rate, which in my research appeared to be about 10% higher. So we just copied that. Okay. You get 10 up to 10% more if you have 150 million in a single stake. So hex rewards you for being a whale. Hex is not anti whale. It's anti Bitcoin whale. It's a difference. So if you reward whales for good effort, like making a larger stake and being better to the network, that's positive incentive. But if you reward a Bitcoin whale for showing up late and not helping the project and like, that's why we penalize them for time. Oh, you showed up last. Okay. You get almost nothing. Oh, you, you know, you weren't smart enough to care about this project when we told you to split up your addresses. Well, then you didn't care enough. Fine. You get penalized 50 to 75%. Now, I, I, we, we've had someone that had a 2,400 BTC claim that got, you know, more, more than cut in half because he just didn't give a shit to, to split his coins up before the mm -hmm. snapshot. So we penalize whales to benefit. We penalize whales that have bad performance to benefit hex whales that have good performance. So it's incentive alignment. So it's like, if you... Every single cryptocurrency that goes from low value to lots of value does so by going from low participation to lots of participation. And the end result of that is always that the early guys do better than the later guys. And since cryptocurrencies tend to drop 85 to 95% at some point, those guys that suffer that drop and then sell the bottom, their fuckedness is what profits those early guys.
to a large degree. It's not, it's not the only degree, right? Like onboarding new users and creating uh, new systems can create things which continue to add value. As you've seen, Bitcoin has gone from $0 to $20,000 from, you know, nothing to a $300 billion market cap uh, with shitloads of 85% drops. And yet it keeps making new highs and, you know, it keeps adding more market cap. So it's, it's silly to assume that any cryptocurrency that goes from low value to high value, low users to high users, isn't going to have whales. Because it would, in order for whales to not exist, you'd have to force early guys that had good ROI to divest. And that's not, I, I don't think that's what crypto is designed for. I mean, I, I like crypto that goes up and keeps going up. And I, and I don't think that being forced to divest makes sense. And unless you enforced identity, you couldn't force them to divest, divest anyway, because they just recycle the money in from their, you know, wife or whatever. So it's like, we're not killing whales. We're killing Bitcoin whales to create X whales. <clears throat> One last question on Hex before I have uh, a few other questions I want to explore. Uh, as, and certainly to our viewers, we, um, this whole episode, if you will, is not just on Hex. Uh, but there is a lot to talk about, especially with Hex being recently launched on a two-year project, and it's nothing like it. And uh, certainly with the amount of time that I invested uh, myself just exploring it, I, I'm actually genuinely interested myself to to find out the answers to these questions. And there's one last question I do actually have that I, I haven't actually heard you discuss before. Oh, you probably have, but I may have missed it. What, what was the thinking? We're talking about marketing at the beginning of this video, and we're talking about how some coins have used the word Bitcoin. So... By, by way of background, I was recently interviewing a what I call a traditionalist. So a, a gentleman who's uh, a lot older and a lot smarter than myself, has a lot more subs than myself, and we're talking about fiat versus cryptocurrency. And what I picked up during this conversation was people who hadn't quite grasped entirely the crypto world and the different coins is that they thought that Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin Gold, Bitcoin SV, Bitcoin Diamond, Bitcoin whatever was all Bitcoin. And I was saying, well, no, they're not. They're completely different coins. They're not the one coin. And the argument was, well, that's hurting the brand of Bitcoin. I said, well, look, fair enough, but that's part of the weakness of Bitcoin and strength. First of all, no one owns Bitcoin. There is no Bitcoin company. Therefore, anyone can come along and say this is Bitcoin Gold, Bitcoin Diamond, Bitcoin SV or Bitcoin Hex as an example. So my question is, when when you were creating the coin in its early stages, what was the thinking behind Bitcoin Hex? And I'm, I'm preemptively thinking, well, maybe you were leveraging off the brand, but then what was the distinction to say, no, we need to break away from the word Bitcoin and only have Hex? Coming up with brands is really hard, really hard. So my, my like more than 10 year old brand that I was going to use for my next business, whatever it might be, was called Strape. S-T-R-A-P-E. Now you hear how I had to spell it for you there? That sucks. I hate it. It's very similar to Skype. No one has to fucking spell Skype. But for some reason, when I say Strape, people just don't understand it. Yeah, so, I would have thought A-I-P. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Didn't, even, yep. didn't even think of that. So then I... Uh, I tried to make a mnemonic. It's like strawberry grape. And then our logo is a strawberry and a grape. But it just didn't punch hard enough. Didn't didn't have enough impact because I used it for one of my chat rooms and it just didn't feel like, like it was hitting hard enough. So I needed something else. Um, and 
I just couldn't come up with a better name. And I asked the public multiple times to help. Hey, you know, what, what can we call this thing? And it just, we ended up with Bitcoin Hex um, because it was the only thing I can think of, basically. Uh, and I tried other stuff. I tried trustless interest. I tried like scarcity coin. I tried like, uh, just no one gives a shit. They prefer Bitcoin Hex to, that, to those names. And then finally I got just Hex. I was like, fuck yeah, like we're good. I love it. Don't have to spell it. The ticker is the project name. Like if you want to, if you want to buy Bitcoin, do you buy the Bitcoin ticker? No, you buy the BTC ticker. Well, that sucks. If you want to, <laughs> you know, Bitcoin is actually not a good brand name. It's two words, which is always not as good as a single word. And it involves, uh, that word bit is actually terrible. Every single company yep. in the space has a fucking word bit in it. And it makes yep. it so you can't tell who the fuck anybody is. I have no and idea who anybody if, is. Statistically, if you look at all the companies that have the name bit in it, not all, but a majority end up being bad news. There you go. So Start it's like with BitConnect. And I've been ranting about it in my videos for ages. If it starts with bit and it's not yeah. Bitcoin, there's a good chance it's going to be bad. Yeah. So, so Bitcoin isn't actually a good brand name and the logo isn't actually good either. So we Hex has a better brand name and a better logo and better economics and better game theory and is better for the environment and it just kicks so much ass. Like, you know how we have that instant trustless exchange where you can go from Hex to ETH or ETH to Hex? And then you can also trustlessly exchange ETH to whatever the fuck you want pretty much. Um, Bitcoin doesn't have any of that. None of it. You, you want to get out of Bitcoin into something else? Welcome to risk your coins land. You're going to have to send your coins to a centralized exchange. You may never see them again. Hope that they let you get your coins back out. Um, it's terrible. And that that's big, like Hex is in a better ecosystem that has vastly superior network properties to Bitcoin. Do you want was a stable it a tough coin? Day that, was it a tough day the day that you actually said we're actually going to drop the word Bitcoin from the brand? No, I love that fucking day because a bunch of shit-talking hater idiots were like, you're trying to steal the brand, you're trying to steal the brand. You're like, motherfucker, I don't want the brand. I don't want the brand anywhere near my shit. It is not a good brand. I don't want it. And I don't want you leeching off of my marketing. I don't so want Hex marketing to pump fucking Bitcoin price. It was money from the people saying that you should put Bitcoin in the name of What was it? It was originally, it was originally uh, branded as a fork of Bitcoin but there's no code in common. It's just a fork of the UTXO set, which is the holders. And after we added so many more features, it was just like, well, that that is not even close to as good as all these other features. So let's forget about that shit. Like it wasn't even- It's not even on the SHA-256, hey? No. So, so like the only benefit to having Bitcoin in the name would be that people would understand a little easier that they can free claim it as a Bitcoin holder. That's the only advantage. So we did take a little bit of a hit towards messaging for that particular angle, because now you have to explain to people it is free for Bitcoin holders, you know? Um, but if it was just, I, I much prefer to be in my own tier. Like I am, this crypto is designed to outperform Bitcoin. And if the markets are rational and given some time, I would like to see Hex become more valuable than Bitcoin's market cap. So if you want that world, then there's certain decisions you have to make now, which may suck for now, but amplify performance later. 
So having so many units is one of those decisions, which is amazing for later, but right now made it so that, you know, yesterday we didn't have bids on the BTC pair, but that could be fixed next week. It could be fixed tomorrow, right? You just need some price appreciation to, to, to fix that thing. The, uh, the other thing is branding. I don't want that Bitcoin brand anywhere near my product, nowhere near it, because I want to pass them on the market cap chart. And so do you think it's easy to pass? Do you think it would be easy for Bitcoin cash to pass Bitcoin on the market cap chart? Very hard because anytime you say Bitcoin cash, you're giving free marketing to the other thing. Well, why are you giving them the free marketing? That's stupid. So when we, when refers or other people say nice things about hex, that doesn't give free marketing Bitcoin at all or anything else because it was branded properly. So, you know, a, a lot of these design decisions are to amplify performance in that world where hex is threatening Bitcoin dominance. <clears throat> can we just confirm that uh, site where we can buy? You said it's buy desk. Uh, I... Yeah, it's uh, B I D E S K. Oh, see, we go in the spelling, okay. Yeah. Like bisexual. B Y B I B U Y, shitty brand name. Shitty. Yeah, B I desk dot com. Yeah. Gotcha. I've never had to spell hex. Yeah, and if you, if you um, want to fuck around and type H E C K S dot win, go ahead. You, <laughs> you know get, what's funny? You get a I referral link. Like, I even put in B U Y B Y B I E, but I, I just didn't think B I. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> so this that? is a perfect example of what I'm explaining to you about branding. Yeah. All right, let's um let's move into uh other topics in crypto land, particularly what's happened in on YouTube. I I recently well, a while ago now released a video when everyone's channels was either paused or content removed or they had bans put on, on them or strikes against their name. Uh it didn't affect me. Maybe I'm not big enough, maybe I don't talk enough about crypto, but for whatever reason nothing really happened until I released a video on behalf of the crypto community, my crypto brothers and sisters out there and saying, hey, look what's happened to all these channels. Look at all these strikes. <laughs> and then they demonetized that video and attacked me per se. I'm not Google demonetized your video for making a video talking about Google. Just that video. And then they, and then they reversed. Yeah, it, it was I've, I hadn't seen it. I've, it's one of only two or three videos I've had demonetized. One was when I talked about, um, and it was a restriction when I talked about the Bitcoin time traveler. I'm not exactly sure why. I think it's because it contained the word F-A-G in mm. there. Where I was just... Um, I curse really like a sailor, and I don't have any problems with it, but I also don't allow them to advertise on my, my videos. So I have ads turned off. I don't let them advertise on my videos. Well, then you don't. You, you you probably wouldn't have seen it. It was just something that struck me. And as I said, they, they actually released it later, so it was it's quite odd. Immediately, it came up, uh, and there's no swearing on my videos. There's no, nothing offensive in the videos. They're just saying, "Hey, is is this uh, what's going on with crypto? What's going on with YouTube? Is this the beginning of the end of crypto or the beginning of the end of YouTube?" And for a while, it was demonetized and turned back on. But from your understanding, what happened in the latest crypto apocalypse on YouTube, where all these channels? suddenly and randomly attacked per se well if you're if you're a creator on youtube they've been spamming you with a banner up at the top of the creator studio saying that you need to understand the new coppa law which is their children's protection law in the united states uh, where you basically need to declare in every video in the past and current whether it's for kids or not so i did that i'm 
Me too. There might have been some other users that didn't. And in those cases of the users that didn't, it could be that when they updated their systems for these new COPPA rules, that, you know, crypto was deemed not child safe and therefore, uh, you know, a lot of penalties got rolled out. Now they've already admitted that there was a mistake. And so that theory of mine could be related to the mistake, but it could just be a mistake. Um, because people had videos removed that never had ads turned on, didn't have any cursing. You know, people had a lot of videos removed for a lot of different things. And so I have, I really don't know why that happened. I don't know why I wasn't affected. You weren't affected. Mm. A lot of other people were affected. I have no damn idea. Um, you know, so nothing affected you at all. No, I, nothing. Wow. Because one of the arguments was that it's, um, shilling, you know, promoting a product. And of course with Hex, you, you are promoting it. And yeah, but the difference is this isn't some margin trading bullshit where, you know, it's not an ICO or an IPO or anything like that. It's not like in Hex, you can mint your own coins or you can not, no one else can do it for you. No one else can hand them to you. You are the only person that can do the work to make your own coins. So it's like, so overall, you think it could have just been down to the Child Protection Act that came in? I mean, that timing was there. So the, like the only the only evidence we really have is timing. And the COPPA stuff happened right around the same time. So everything else is hearsay. There's people with, like, they'll probably never say. Way, yeah, the, I guess the only way we've got to see is looking into other uh, genres of, of YouTube. It, other people... If it affected them, you know, if people were talking about, I don't know, makeup or cars or something, if they suddenly had that taken right. down at the same time, yep. uh, that, that would form a correlation. Moving on to... um, I, Before we move on, yeah. I don't think people realize, I tend to look at things system systemically. What actually is the utility of crypto media? You either buy some crypto and hope the price goes up, or you don't. You either margin trade it and lose all your money or you don't, or maybe you discover some new technology that actually performs some type of benefit for you. Maybe. And I would say that's pretty fucking rare. And what percentage of crypto media is that? So when crypto media does things like write stories about drama, not actually doing anything for the world, it's just gossip. It's just like reading about celebrities. Okay, what else, what else does crypto media do? Talk about the price. They don't know a goddamn thing about the price. And the people writing the articles don't know a goddamn thing about the price. So what are they really doing? They're just giving you something to occupy your time and that they can make revenue on. While the things that actually matter, which are development and onboarding new users that aren't already in crypto, those are the two things that actually matter. And the vast majority of crypto media doesn't have fuck all to do with either of those things. They don't choose winners and losers. They don't tell you what to buy or sell. If they did, they would fuck you up because they don't know their ass from a hole in the ground. They, uh, most of these reports are extremely not well-researched. Minimal effort, truly minimal effort. Because if they put in more effort, do they get more views? Do they get more clicks? Not really. So it's not a good deal for them to actually put more effort in. Uh, <clears throat> the guys that actually put effort in are the haters. And nobody cares about the haters because the only people that care are bag holders and bag holders don't want to hear that hate shit. They want the price to go up. <laughs> so like, 
So, you know, if you're a hater, you can't get advertisers and you can't get viewers because most people prefer the price to go up. The people that bought in want the price to go up more than the people not buying in want the price to go down. And because of the math, it's always easier to go up than down, um, usually. Because of like, if I'm talking from a short, long perspective, if you shorted $20,000 Bitcoin and it went down to a dollar and you shorted, you shorted $20,000 worth of contracts, you made 20,000, you doubled your money. But if you longed a dollar, it went up to 20,000, it cost you $1 to make 20,000. And if you yep. put in 20,000, you made 20,000 X more. Mm -hmm. So longing from a dollar to 20K is 20,000 X better than shorting from 20K to a dollar. That's the, the long short math. So because of long bias and, uh, you know, so much, I am not, I'm not impressed with crypto media. I don't think, I don't think people understand, like, let's take, let's take crypto Twitter, right? I've got 52K followers on there or whatever. What actual personal utility have you received from crypto Twitter? How has it actually made your life better? What personal utility have you received from crypto media? How's it actually made your life better? You know, in this stream, we're talking about ideas that a lot of other people don't talk about. We're talking about projects a lot of other people don't talk about. Um, it's new, there's a lot of potential. There's value in this conversation. Most of the crypto conversations I see, they're just not fucking valuable. <clears throat> well, it leads us, it's probably a good segue into the haters. Uh, the hold on, hold on. What was the net effect of all those YouTubers being brought offline? Less people would lose all their money margin trading. That was the actual result. So then you have to ask yourself, was the positive benefits that those streamers brought to the world enough to cancel out some portion of their followers losing all of their money margin trading? Uh... <laughs> well, I think also at, at concurrently at the same time, the net effect was it really stimulated a lot of promotion for alternative platforms to YouTube. That shit will all and go away. Nothing will happen. Everyone yeah. will stay slave. Yep. Uh, it, it kind of, when people are angry and wound up, you get a lot of motivation. But once those fires were put out, everything seemed to calm down and every, everyone seemed to go back. And, you know, I'm, I'm, YouTube's given us all a great platform. It's given us an incredible platform where we can communicate as we are right now with this amazing technology. It's quite refined. It's cost a lot, a lot of money for them to do that. And it can create a lot of money for us either through... Uh, promoting our own product, our own brand, or even if you do paid advertising and so forth. But there's many ways that just by simply having a platform provided to us by YouTube, uh, we can leverage our own brand, our own product, or our own our own future. But of course, the downside now as, as we're exploring is that YouTube's in a difficult situation because of course they're complying with laws and they're trying to appease, they're trying to kind of appease three groups, governments, the advertisers, and the creators. Of course, you're trying to appease the viewers, which is probably the fourth group. But ultimately, the fourth group, the viewers, they will choose. If they don't like you and me speaking, they just won't watch this and they'll go to another channel. But when it comes to advertisers, the people who are actually paying the money. You know, they, they kind of become the primary customer until the government steps in and the government says, hey, we've got these new child protection bans. You will do as we say or we will find the crap out of you. So YouTube, any platform, there's pu public notice boards are in a difficult situation now because they're trying to spin all of these plates equally and keep everyone happy and as soon as they break any one of those plates it's like they're on these 
these pillars and if any one of those pillars falls down the whole thing becomes wobbly now as we go into decentralized models of i think you know dtube as an example maybe in theory it's there but of course as you said we're kind of all slaves to to this one platform so will anything happen in your mind that could actually break us away from youtube to a different platform mm, like, no. is this it forever is youtube it forever Mm, probably yeah people like <clears throat> i have uh 22 23 24000 uh emails signed up on uh pumpamentals.com 10% bonus if you click it or hex.win if you don't want the bonus and i look at what uh what the email addresses are it's all fucking gmail I mean, there's a lot of Proton Mail in there too, but it's maybe 10%. It's all fucking Gmail. Guess what? If you want to email me, Gmail. <laughs> yeah, so, me <laughs> I mean, I've got Proton Mail too. Um, so, like, everyone is a slave to Gmail and they read your fucking email. Is that good? Does anyone think that's good? No. Everyone knows it sucks, but it's convenient. And what's the alternative? You get more spam. If you want more spam, use something else. So everyone uses Gmail. And then if you wanna if you wanna get views uh, for your videos, well, you got all types of other platforms you can go to get less views. If you want more views, you're gonna have to end up here. Depending, right? For game streaming, you could do better on Twitch, but for nearly anything else, like this this is pretty good. And then if you want views for shit that is already occurred, you're gonna get way more views on your YouTube videos than on your, your older Twitch videos. Mm. So if you want to replace that, th this is, this is the tragedy of the commons. It would be good for you to have more choices, but since it's not regulated as utility, they won't allow anyone else to give you more choices. And if someone else comes along to try and compete with them, they'll just buy them. Th which means you'll never have more choice. Nothing along, nothing better will ever come along. They will keep buying every fucking thing that could possibly break their monopoly. And until governments actually enforce anti-monopoly things you're going to continue to have these emergent fucking technology monopolies where everyone uses gmail for email everyone uses youtube for video everyone uses amazon for shopping and it it is a danger for the world as soon as one of these monopolies decides to be shitty as you saw with crypto bans you're you're just super fucked and i warned about this a year and a half ago I said, listen, regulate these entities as utilities or reap the consequences. And then the consequences happened. And then I got to tweet my link. I'm like, hey, guys, remember when you faggots wouldn't fucking click like? Remember? Remember when I told you this shit would happen? And none of you guys, you libertarian bros, are like, no, nah, man, pro-company, pro-company. You're like, we got two enemies, you idiots. The companies are enemies and the fucking law is the enemy. And neither one of them wants your best interests at heart. Neither one of them has your best fucking interest at heart. They're both the enemy. And so what do you do when you're getting flanked on both sides? You charge the weaker side because there's a chance you could win it and then fight the remainder or keep running. Well, it who's the weaker side between government and corporate? Corporate's the weaker side. So you could get what they did with DSL where the the main company has to give it at a wholesale price to value add people. And then the value add people add features and do price competition. And then we have a flourishing capitalist 
economy around this thing, which makes it better. That's what they did with DSL subscriptions. They could do that with YouTube subscriptions. They could do that with social subscriptions, give you data portability and give you value add from a wholesale perspective where you can now get new features and price competition and feature competition. And we don't have anything like that in techno uh, technology right now. Why? Because the governments aren't treating monopolies like monopolies. Gma has a monopoly on email fucking, and you know, an emergent monopoly has the same risks and shittiness as any other monopoly. So who gives a fuck how they got there? <clears throat> if you want a better world, you got to force it. Monopoly is when that monopoly tries to make mo make money, as in create money. And I think Libra is the example of that. Like governments really didn't care too much about Facebook leaking all this information. Yeah, there were some inquiries, but it never really mattered until Libra or Facebook said, "Hey, we're going to create our own money." Well, then everything changed. Then, and I would agree with you that uh, governments are in charge. In, in all areas it can be they're not well i wonder in, in the yeah i wonder in the financial sector and 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 now in the information technology center it's like uh it's like well who, who's actually in charge and i think many people wonder who's in charge and in many ways i wonder if this is what crypto is about in many ways crypto is about you know the movement of breaking away from we don't want to use your money we want to use our money or we don't want to use your money we want to use whatever money we like i don't think and, crypto is about that at all i think crypto is about people that want to get rich that's what I, I, I say. There's, I say there's three bodies of people getting into crypto. So you've got the, definitely there is a large group, a major group that want to buy low, sell high, and buy a Lamborghini. Mm -hmm. Then you've got an emerging group that are pissed off with. Uh, in Australia, we've got negative interest rates coming in, bail-in laws, and cash bans, and people want to break away from that nonsense. They want to make you guys. You guys are pretty money. fucked up there. And oh, well, we're getting hammered, but in many ways we tell we, the audience we, what they did with your cash situation. Well, we're, we're about to go through a huge, uh, it's, they're really flanking us. So first of all, in the first instance, they put in a bail-in law. So we, in the previous laws, we had a bail-out law where when banks destroyed everything with your money, the tax would bail them out of trouble. Then late at night in the Senate, they passed a law, literally late at night, they passed a law where they could bail in. And the difference between bail-out and bail-in is instead of the government bailing out banks, your savings bail in the banks, where whatever money you've got in the bank, they will take a percentage or all of that money, give it back to the banks to make sure that they can keep running and doing what they're doing. Now, it's a, it's a, it, it leverages further. Then they go further and say, well, now we're actually going to ban cash. So if you say, well, I don't want to put my money into a bank because I don't want to be subjected to these bail-in laws and I just want to control my own money. Well, when that you ban cash, where else are you going to put your money? You have to put your money into these banks. And then you combine that with negative interest rates and inflation coming in. We're in a real panic in Australia, some people, uh, and it's becoming quite vocal on YouTube and there's a lot of worlds merging together. And crypto is one of these worlds. And I'll get back to these three groups. What's happening now is people are actually banding together saying, hang on a second. First of all, we don't appreciate what you did with the bail-in laws. Second of all, why are you banning cash? Third of all, now that we've got negative interest rates and inflation, we're actually in big trouble. Where do we put our money? There's nowhere to put your money. So this is where I go back to the three groups of crypto. Definitely, without any doubt, Richard, you've got buy low, sell high, get a Lambo. Absolutely. The second world, which would actually argue who Satoshi Nakamoto was and what he was creating, or she, they, whatever, was that we want to break away from these traditional systems and a situation that I just explained and what we saw with the GFC. And then we've got the third group. The third group that are actually leapfrogging banks entirely 
which of course is what Andreas Antonopoulos would allude to and, and speak of, um, probably support, is that you've got 2.5 billion people excluded from the banking system who can't even walk into a bank because they're either undocumented, don't have shoes, don't have the right colour or whatever, and they can't get in there. And they've got no choice other than to go through a third party such as Western Union when they're sending money across countries, across the planet through remittances and three to five business days, 10% fees, uh, nine to five to go in there or you've now got an option where I can text you money now whether that money is hex or Bitcoin or whatever th that that doesn't actually matter I'm, I'm not even going to get into that I'm I'm really excited about crypto because there are those three groups yeah buy low sell high to break away from financial I don't, I don't think that those three groups I I disagree with you on this one Bitcoin's been around for 10 years How's Bitcoin doing in Africa? Nothing. Not a fucking thing. Okay. Do Africans have digital payments? Shitloads. What's it called? M-Pesa. How does it work? Phone minutes. Okay. Yep. Well, it's solved. People, people don't understand. People don't understand what makes remittances hard. They don't understand. I understand. I'm going to teach you. Maybe not you. Don't mean to sound condescending, but for you guys in chat, being condescending to you guys because you guys don't know shit. Um, <clears throat> Richard, be kind. <laughs> no, fuck these guys. <laughs> I'm teaching them. They should be happy I'm doing it. But before you go on, so I would actually say that M-Pesa, yes, it's digital minutes, but it's a crypto in the sense, and I, it's not on a ledger, it's not a decentralized so so on and so forth but it is money and it is money that is not going through a bank yes you could say well the money's going through a phone system but it's still a case where i can text you money as yeah. opposed to going into a bank that i'm excluded from and that's uh -huh. what goes back to what i'm saying it doesn't matter if it's bitcoin or hex or uh, minutes it's a it's a new type of money that people are I, I i think digital finance is great and i think more efficiency is great and i think faster is great and i think more opening hours is great. And I think more interoperability is great. And lower fees is great. And digital brings all this. So this, this point I'm making about what makes remittance is hard is very simple to understand. You have a person and country, you have a person in America that has money because they work a job there. And they want to send it to their family in Mexico who has a harder time making money because it's the wages are lower there or their family could be so old that they can't work anymore. Now, how do you get economic energy from a day worker in Mexico or from a, a day worker in uh, California to his family in Mexico? He's got cash in his hands. Well, let's look at it backwards. Let's look at his mom in Mexico that needs the cash. She needs to go someplace where the cash physically exists and physically is in a locked box physically has a human being behind the lockbox that could open it and hand it to her and spends enough time to verify that she is the person that should actually receive it and all of those steps now how long would it take a human being to receive your grandmother who walks slow fills out forms slow or in this example is mother uh, stands there at the window fills out the form to make sure someone else isn't stealing her money. It's really hers. And then gives her that money. That takes five or 10 minutes per person, which means you occupy 
a slot at a storefront for five or 10 minutes and a human being at that storefront for five or 10 minutes and then have cash management, uh, you know, okay, the cash went out. Well, unless people are putting cash back in, we need to go to the bank and have a, a safe truck do the cash management like Brinks. That stuff does not go away if you replace their Excel sheet with a, a crypto. It makes it worse. So the, the problem of operating MoneyGram has nothing to do with the digital ledger. It has to do with the storefront and the human and the paperwork and the cash management. It has to do with those things. It has nothing to do with, with the entirely, ledger. I agree with you entirely, but I, I say take away all of that storefront and the time to get to the store and to wait in there. So XRP would be... I would say supportive of what you're saying that is instead of instead of remitting money from uh, the, the main example I give is from the Middle East where there's huge amounts of workers in the Middle East sending heaps of money back to India, Nepal, Pakistan um, and so forth and they do exactly what you just described you go to a Western Union counter you put the money in there you wait and then grandma has to go in and pick it up take it out and you've got this big exchange there in one way or another it's still going through the fiat system XRP would facilitate that by saying we're facilitating the banks where I would take it a step further and where I, I have absolutely I have absolutely no is, idea how XRP has anything to do with banks well, because XRP is designed to facilitate the transactions of banks, whereas Bitcoin is designed to be the bank, to remove the banks entirely. So that's where they're, you have to They're both it. just digital ledgers. There's, there's only, yes, the only... Go ahead. It, as an example, so if I... in the So sticking with the example... You understand banks here, already run on digital ledgers. Of course. And that and they're faster why, and cheaper. <laughs> and many people... that That's why you've got... I think you and I... I'm, I'm not a supporter of... A supporter of XRP and okay. it creates a lot of tension in the crypto community a lot of tension in the crypto community because my deep dives into XRP are saying that the, the, the primary difference between XRP and Bitcoin is that XRP facilitates the transactions of banks where Bitcoin is the bank itself now going back to the example that you were giving where they got so little adoption from banks that they had to buy shares in MoneyGram Oh, man, they I bought 10% of MoneyGram. Yeah. And when they did that, MoneyGram's price are, pumped harder than XRP's price. You and I see a parallel with that. I'm, I'm not a supporter of that. What I'm saying is when grandma gets those those dollars, sorry, those Bitcoin, whatever it is, or HEX in, mm -hmm. in Nepal, she doesn't have to go to a counter anymore if, provided the baker accepts HEX. Now, right. let's say, let's say with sure. example, with the, the, the minutes that you're talking about. So we're talking about the digital minutes. I go to the Middle East. I'm a Nepalese third world worker. I go to the Middle East, I work hard and they say, we're gonna pay you in, in. Oh, sorry, I should be African because they use these, these minutes in Africa. So I'm an African, I go to the Middle East, I work hard and they say, do you want US dollars? Do you want uh, the local UAE dollar or, or currency or do you want minutes? Now, if, my, if I'm sending that money back to grandma in Africa and grandma can use those minutes at the bakery or at to get sanitation, which is one of the number one things that these women are spending money back, spending money on, in their communities back home: sa sanitation, food, and education. There's a really why, easy way to just summarize all this shit. Well, why? Would if everyone's on the same ledger, then there's there's totally efficient. It doesn't matter what the ledger is. Exactly. If everyone was on PayPal, it would be amazingly efficient. If everyone had a Swift account, it would be amazingly efficient. If well, everyone have to be transacted to cash. Well, Swift isn't that efficient. Swift is a, a very cumbersome system. If I, I had a I, choice, if you were going to pay me and you said, Adam, do you want to buy Swift or via 
um, Bitcoin. I'd say, man, just send me Bitcoin. You yeah. don't have to go through Swift. The Swift members have an efficient system amongst themselves. You are not a Swift member. They get wholesale price. You get retail price. Swift retail right, so sucks. Why, why, I'm not why saying to use them. I'm saying to use any digital ledger because once it's digital, it's free. There aren't any fucking transaction costs. There aren't any humans involved. Once it's digital, it's free. So like if, if you, if you get everyone on XRP, it'll be awesome. If you get everyone on Libra, it'll be awesome. If you get everyone on Bitcoin, it'll be awesome. But the throughput, not like none of those systems actually has good throughput. But the, if the idea is major tree, I have to pay them something and they slow it down. So you, I agree if banks are already using digital ledgers already and I'm transferring money through a bank or a Swift or whatever system and they're the intermediary, they're the, the third party. Why bother using them? Why not just bypass them completely? So, for example, when I, I, I've got an intro video, because you want to because you want to buy a house. Video, well, I've got an intro video to my channel, right? So, and a, a guy in Romania did it for me. And the guy in Romania said, uh, it's X dollars. And I'm like, okay, how do you want to be paid? And he said, can you pay me in Ethereum? I said, sure. Uh -huh. So I just sent it directly to him in Ethereum and it gets there instantly. Now, when so he got that Ethereum in his country, I actually asked him, I, just because we, we talk, I said, well, what do you do with it? And he goes, well, I paid for another service in Ethereum. So there was never this exchange of walking up to a bank and saying, I'm swapping this money for dollars and standing in line for five minutes. So so grandma can it, get it if you want efficient economies everyone needs to speak the same language and i really mean language yeah so money if is you're, language agreed i'm talking about english versus chinese if you as an english speaker want to do business in china it is fucking hard because even the people there whose job it is to talk to you the english speaker their english ain't no good and you can't do business with each other. So just like we have language barriers that prevent different cultures from getting married, they prevent different cultures from working together, they prevent different cultures from sharing music and literature amongst each other, they also prevent money transfers. So if you get everyone on the same language and the language happens to be digital and permissionless, huge efficiencies will be found regardless of which particular product that is. If it's Bitcoin, if it's XRP, if it's XLM, if it's whatever, if it's X, it's going to make the world extremely more efficient place. The, the issue, the trick is, how many times do you have to change out of the native thing into some other thing, realizing that you'll have some inefficiency each time? And in distributed finance, you have the minimum inefficiency. So just like when I, if, if you go right now outside with a bunch of your Australian dollars and you go to your local uh, exchange place to change them for Singapore dollars, they're going to fuck you up on the exchange rate. They're going to advertise you that there's no fees because they don't need to charge fees because they're going to fuck you up on the exchange rate. Yep. So it, what do you think you're going to get a better exchange rate at fee wise in, in hex when you go from ETH to HEX or HEX to ETH, trustlessly, with no counterparty risk, it's 0.3% fee. You're not gonna get 0.3% in the real world. Why? Because they have a storefront and they have a human there and they have paperwork that needs to get filled out and all that stuff costs money. And in the distributed finance world, there's like almost no overhead. There's like one penny for a transaction fee, maybe two pennies for a transaction fee and 0.33% for, you know, 
as large a trade as you want. Now you you do get uh, if you eat into the order book large enough, if you're a large enough player in regards to like if you you might have a, like a little bit of slippage if you're a giant whale, but if you're a little guy, there's like no slippage for you. So it, we already have a system in DeFi with Hex and with Ethereum that has no counterparty risk and lower fees to get from one thing to another and from that other thing to all other things that are on the same chain, that are on the Ethereum chain. We don't, this shit's already solved. We just need to get it in more wallets. We just need more wallets to support uh, the coins that we want, which, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Hex. If we can get more Hex wallets into people's hand, then everything becomes more efficient. So it's that's the solution. The solution to efficiency is replacing humans and storefronts with electronics. And which particular flavor of it, it is not, it doesn't really affect the efficiency very much. I'm XRP has advantages, by the way. Like I'm XRP is fast seeing, as fuck. I'm not seeing where we're disagreeing here. We're not. For some reason, for some reason, it well, sounds like okay, we are, but we're the, not. The, 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 the so point of contention is that I, I think that there's a lot of tribalism around which currencies are good and which currencies aren't. And I think it's overblown and overdone. And I used to overblow it and overdo it myself. So I know how much fun it is. If you really look at these things from a tool perspective, which tool best fits the job? I know Ethereum is a lot better than Bitcoin in most ways. And I know that XRP is better than Ethereum or Bitcoin in some very few ways. So like if, if you need a transaction to happen in less than 10 seconds, okay, XRP is faster because it has less security. If you need, if you need a transaction to be distributed finance and you can get into a stable coin on chain trustlessly, you can get into uh, exchanges on chain trustlessly, no signups. Okay. Well, you're going to want to be in the Ethereum, Ethereum ecosystem. If you want huge liquidity, and you need to sell a hundred million in a minute or some crap. Okay. Bitcoin's got the best liquidity. And so every one of these tools has a place where it fits. And it's just a question of which of them benefits you the most. You know, if you want price appreciation, well, these very large market caps like XRP and XLM and all these other ones that are already top 10, they're not going to show you the same price performance percentage return wise as a lower market cap that finds its way into the top 10. The so. tribalism in coins, I agree with, is we've got so much, because we've got a crypto community. Uh, I said there's two, so two worlds, maybe three. One, who totally get crypto. Two, who think they get crypto and they hate it. And then three, that have so little understanding of money whatsoever that they're not even in the argument at all. The international remittance market at the moment is around $100. Uh, $1.5 trillion, and 10% of that is taken by fees. So we're looking at $150 bill taken out of um, international remittances, essentially from third world people, to do these transactions, of, to, I, I agree, to speaking the same language. So the oldest known written language in the world was, in fact, a ledger. So before we even had alphabets, per se, we had a ledger where farmer A agreed that farmer B was owed something and vice versa. So the first form of language was in fact a ledger. Now, when I traveled through, I gave this example the other night with Martin North, when I was in Cambodia, I don't speak Cambodian. I speak Korean, Spanish, and English, and a bit of Australian. And then when I went to Cambodia, I was trying to buy... Adam just dropped. Maybe one of those Australian fires got his internet. 
Is my computer working? Yep. I seem to be doing fine. <coughs> hey, you're back. I got you. Yeah, I, I yeah you. Yeah, we left off at you speaking Korean, Spanish. Okay, yeah. And then I went into a, a market in Cambodia, of which I don't speak Cambodian, and I pulled out a US dollar, and then we were speaking the same language. So m money is a language, and I, I certainly support that. I guess what I'm saying with the international remittance market, again, I don't care what coin it is. I don't care if it's XRP, HEX, or anything. That I think that's in, as we evolve, that's future down. What I am stating is that in these three groups of crypto goers outside of buy low, sell high, is that I don't need to go to Western Union anymore. And I don't want to go to Western Union anymore. And I don't want to use Money Telegram. And I don't want to use any bank. I just want to, as I can send you, as I can send you this message right now, and I, I suppose we are using See, third party. Here, you're, you're falling for a trick, I think. You think that because you're in crypto that you can now send people money without middlemen and shit. However, because we don't have those circular internal economies yet, you actually have to yes. replenish your crypto supply and you just delay when you get fucked. So instead of getting fucked right before you send the money, now you get fucked when you have to rebuy your stack from one of those shitty entities that wants to eyeball the hell out of you. That, so you're just changing when you get fucked. So you're going to get fucked at your crypto exchange instead of at your, uh, your money remitter. In maybe the crypto exchange fucks you for a smaller percent. So maybe that's do nice. you think? Do you think fiat will exist in, I don't know, 50 years? I know it's a long way out. I don't know if we'll still be here in 50 years. Uh, yeah, I do. Because look, crypto, crypto can be rehypothecated and made a substrate for fractional reserve, just like gold was. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there's going to be one currency. I, and, and just as gold is, in, in the sense that gold is still a store of value, even what thousands of years later, it's still a store of value. And now we see different stores of value, which could in fact be property, uh, baseball cards, um, stocks, bonds, dividends. They're all one way or another. Even if you look at movie tickets, gift vouchers, these are all languages, frequent flyer points, store credits. To you and me, they may not be a value. It's, for example, if I give you a Oh, here we go. I've got a gift voucher here for a massage that I got for Christmas. So to you, this is worth absolutely useless, nothing. But to me in this town where I can use this, this voucher is actually worth $60. But if I was to send this to another country where we're not speaking the same language and they don't have this massage parlor and it's a appropriate massage parlor, I might add Richard, um, there's, there's no value in this piece of paper that I'm sending through. But I, I think, I think there's a lot to explore in this crypto space, but what I wanted to actually ask you about as we move into this area of, of the haters and perhaps those who don't understand crypto, what surprised me from within when you launched Hex? So we divide that this, we, we agree that there's divide in the crypto community with tribalism from my coin's better than yours, your coin's shit, yours is a shit coin, mine's a good coin, got it. What I don't get in the crypto community is that Essentially, we all agree crypto is real. So those outside the crypto community say it's not real because I can't touch it or it's not real because you just made it up or it's not real for what other stuff. Us in the crypto community, we've made that distinction between what is real, what is value and what creates value. Well, all, all the money is digital, period. Well, it, it already is digital, agreed. Yeah. So money has, hasn't been part of the uh, gold standard since the 70s, even it started earlier than that. There is no holding of even dollars if we remove gold from the situ from the equation altogether, and we say, "Well, I can hold a, a dollar in my hand." Well, 
no, it's all digital. And if it, we all we know that if we all withdrew our money out of the bank, there's not enough dollars in there. So when you launched Hex, there was so much attack on you. Like, hats off to you, Richard. When it comes to conflict online, you don't back down from it, and you're not a you're not a shit bag about it either. Like you don't actually get all personal and, and do stupid shit, <laughs> except when you're being mean to some of the people in the chat before, but you will still create the space where you allow people to speak and you allow people to smash you. My question to you is two parts. Why do you think there was so much hate, not from outside the crypto community, they don't matter at the moment because I don't, I don't even like, Bitcoin, don't worry about them. Why do you think, A, there was so much hate from within the crypto community towards you for launching a coin? And B, how do you keep going, especially when it was at its peak and there was a lot of, there's a lot of negativity towards you and the project? Yeah, well, Bitcoiners and other maximalists treat altcoiners like fiat people treat Bitcoiners. So fiat people treat Bitcoiners like shit. And Bitcoiners treat everyone else like shit. Everybody. They fucking hate everybody. Um, now, it's not all of them, but it's a very loud vocal mi minority of them. And it's not good. Like, it forces people out of the ecosystem, and they go build the things they wanted to build elsewhere. So if you want a distributed uh, stablecoin with no you know, central party or, or less central party, well, that's an Ethereum, it's not Bitcoin. If you want distributed finance where you can trade from whatever thing to whatever other thing you want trustlessly without counterparties, no signups, okay, Ethereum's got that. Bitcoin doesn't have that. If you want uh, 50x throughput basically on-chain using ZK rollups, Ethereum has that. Bitcoin doesn't have that. Why? Because there's more developers working on Ethereum who have better funding, and everyone there will actually up update the network to support these new things because they, they, they're happier to make upgrades. And so what about Bitcoin? Bitcoin doesn't barely upgrade at all. And when they do, it's very small. There's no feature improvements. There's just, you know, improvements the normal user will never, ever see. So, you know, they added time locking. Do you use time locking in Bitcoin? Nope. No users do because the shit's not even in their wallet. Their wallet doesn't even say it's an option that they could perform if they wanted to. Okay, do you use multi-sig? Most, most people don't. Do you, do you use, uh, you know, what other thing have they come up with? So you've got a stagnant ecosystem where there's barely any innovation and everyone's incentivized to go do their innovation under its own token somewhere else uh, so they can try and get rich on it. And then it just leaves the stagnant ecosystem where, you know, block size increase was on the roadmap. Two years has passed. We've had no block size increase. Why the fuck not? Why not? Computers are faster. Networking is faster. Hard drives are faster. RAM is faster. Why the fuck don't we have a block size increase? Stupid. Retarded. Why, you know, why did, why did uh, somebody have to fork Bitcoin to make a coin you could put Tigger symbols on? Why didn't Bitcoin do that shit? Which I suggested years ago, right? Why is no one working with uh, a guy I did an interview with that's trying to get side chains to work with Bitcoin? So the innovation could be in that ecosystem because they're a bunch of hateful, hateful, spiteful, angry people who don't want to work with anyone else and, and hate everyone else doing things that are useful. And it's just, you know who loses? They lose. The Bitcoiners lose 
because now there's other ecosystems out there that have amazing features that people love and are onboarding new users and Bitcoin's not. So it's, they fuck themselves over by sticking their head in the sand and using the excuse that the vast majority of shit coins are shit to not pay attention to the couple coins that'll pass them by because they have superior features, superior onboarding, superior communities, superior messaging, bug bounty programs, modularity, distributed finance, like all of those things that exist now today and are working today. Bitcoin has none of them. There's no bug bounty program. It has no modularity in the code. Uh, it has no supporting, uh, so, you know, Ethereum, we've got Geth and Parity as core nodes and you can use whichever one. So they have no redundancy in their core nodes. They have uh, spaghetti code, which has had two inflation bugs where anyone could print as many free coins as they wanted. And one time someone did and they had to fork the chain or roll the chain back. Ethereum said none of that shit. Ethereum has never had a, a rollback forced on them. All right, the community back when it was a lot smaller decided to not let a hacker keep some funds. And they voluntarily decided to, on one fork, not allow that to occur. Then the ETH Classic fork, they allowed it to occur. So, you know, it's a superior technology that does faster transactions, cheaper, that has more features, has a more friendly ecosystem. And the price dropped harder. So the ETH price dropped 95%. Bitcoin price only dropped 85%, which means that, and it's, and it's a lower liquidity coin. Bitcoin's worth about 10 times more on the market cap. You know, when people start to see how good Ethereum is, I think you can get higher price appreciation on Ethereum than you can get in Bitcoin. It's a better product. It's just, it, I can't think of other than liquidity. I can't actually think of anything Bitcoin does better than Ethereum. It has more ATMs. It does have more ATMs. If you want like access in front of you, it is more accepted on the dark net. It does have larger liquidity, but as a normal user, do you need large liquidity? Are you selling a hundred million in an hour? No, like the vast, vast 99.9999999% of people do not care about the liquidity that Bitcoin has. So, you know, they stick all their heads in the sand. They, they even attack their own members. They attack their own people. You know, I was the number one cheerleader for Bitcoin and anti everything else for a very long time. And they use this like purity test. And if, if you want something else, like even if you like Monero, like, yeah, I want privacy. Fool, idiot, they hate you. You're like, you, you hate people that like privacy. What the fuck's wrong with you guys? What is wrong with you people? You know, and then they don't, they don't, <laughs> they just sit around and talk amongst themselves about how, how horrible everything else is when everyone else is building and doing outreach into the real world and, and building new features and new products and new awesome things. And they're just sitting there with a product that does what? Okay, it's scarce. Okay, what else? What else do you got? Okay, it's been two years. What do we got? Uh, we got nothing. We got absolutely no upgrades in two years. Not a fucking thing. You got SegWit, and then you got nothing else. Oh, but Lightning. Well, uh, Lightning's still beta and loses people's money, and there's only slightly more money in it than wrapped Bitcoin and Ethereum. There's almost as much money in wrapped Bitcoin in Ethereum than there is in the Lightning Network. I, I would be... I would not be surprised at all if there's more Bitcoin economic energy in the Ethereum network over the next year than in any of the tier two networks on Bitcoin because the ecosystem's so vastly superior. The number one used, see. sorry, go on. The number one used cryptocurrency in the entire world is not actually cryptocurrency. It's called Tether. And mm. Tether does more 
uh, transactions in exchange than any other cryptocurrency, including Bitcoin. And they used to do their transactions on Bitcoin through something called the Omni protocol. And it sucked. So they stopped and they moved the majority of their, uh, they didn't stop entirely, but moved the majority of their transactions over from Omni over to ERC-20 on Ethereum because it's better. So when the number one most used cryptocurrency leaves the old sucky shit behind and moves over to the thing that works better because they're the ones actually using it, it's very obvious what the better platform is. It's very obvious what the better technology is. The people that are paying the most in transaction fees in the entire universe, in the history of mankind, they chose Ethereum over Bitcoin. It's, it's very obvious. And they started in on ten, Bitcoin. In 10 years' time, do you think Bitcoin will still be holding top 10, number one? No, I definitely do not. You can't, you can't shove your, like, Bitcoin has had 10 years to have uh, a killer app and to onboard hundreds of millions of users. It has totally failed to do that. And there's absolutely nothing going on or even on the roadmap which would affect that at all. There, there's no marketing push. There's no referral program. There's no slogans. There's no branding. There's no advertisements. There's fucking nothing. So why, wh why would it change what it's been doing? I mean, we've got less on-chain transaction volume than two years ago. We've got less retail acceptance than two years ago. Like, what, what is going on good in that ecosystem? Nothing. Well, I, it pumped because I, of I a Chinese Ponzi pumping it. The, the transactions, I'm not saying I know, but I explore this a lot. And I, I look at, for me, the godfather of crypto is Andreas Antonopoulos. And he is most certainly a Bitcoin maximalist. No. Nope. It's not that he's against other coins. He's, nope. he's big on Ethereum. He wrote well, Mastering he, Ethereum, and he, like, he is not a maximalist at all. Well, in the sense that... I can, send you a YouTube, I can send you a podcast of him titled Bitcoin Maximalism, where it explains to you that there will be more coins, and there will not be a single coin winner, and there's more I, adoption. I agree. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting... Maybe I've used the wrong term. I, I don't see Bitcoin maximalists saying there will be no other coin. Uh, I, I say the maximalists say well, that like they, well, they say every all coins are going to zero. What? Well, they say, well, maybe I've misinterpreted the maximalist. I, I would say a Bitcoin maximalist was always putting Bitcoin at the top. It doesn't. So you look at Andreas's book on Ethereum, and he got a lot of flack for that because, as you were saying, many people are very tribalist and they love Bitcoin. And he wrote two books on Bitcoin, and then when he released a book on Ethereum. Uh, many people attacked him and said, how, how could you do this to Bitcoin? But then he recently did a talk about the next Bitcoin. And the, the talk is, and I can send you a link to this as well, and the, the link was, the video, the talk was about what's the next Bitcoin? And he said, well, the next Bitcoin is Bitcoin. So on, on one hand, Bitcoin can't meet some of the transactions and hasn't have the, some of the development of altcoins. And for the record, I hold big bags of lots of different coins. But as I've moved through the crypto timeline, I'm, I mean, I'm looking at the charts right now. The market cap for Bitcoin is 135 billion. The next closest coin is Ethereum at 14 billion. And we've spoken about the great flipping. Could it happen? Would it happen? Maybe. Absolutely. But I, I wonder you're, you're if... One fucking, you're one security error in Bitcoin away from that. Like, Would, would quantum, do you think quantum, um, quantum computing could destroy Bitcoin? Mm, unlikely. I mean, because the advantages so to quantum computing attacks, you also have quantum computing defenses. So agreed. Agreed. It's like 
You'd have to. So what? You'd have to live in, in a world years, where the attacks we were not defended. If ten years, Bitcoin's constantly been attacked, with people trying to, you know, get free Bitcoin. What what would be the downfall for Bitcoin? Look, I, I'm I'm happy to see Bitcoin remain valuable and and continue to have utility. Like I don't I don't wish the Bitcoin price ill. I think a rising tide is good for all ships. All all cryptos made all time highs together. So this idea yep. that you have to demonize and shit talk and and attack another currency to hope that its price goes down. In the misguided belief that your crypto's price will go up, it's fucking stupid. In fact, all prices go up together. So, like, this attack everyone else to, to try and pump your bags thing, it actually results in the opposite occurring. You know, it's it's not it's not good or honorable or ethical. There's there's things that are good benefits and features for humans: privacy, sovereignty, reduction in fees, efficiency, speed. These things matter. And then if you can't get those things in the platform you're in, well, you got to do other stuff. You do not have anonymity in Bitcoin. You do not have, you know, in, in Ethereum, we got 10 second blocks. You send a transaction, your transaction could be confirmed in 10 seconds. You want to go on exchange? Binance takes 12 confirmations. Well, 12 times 10, that's two minutes. You want to know how many confirmations it takes for Bitcoin? It's a fucking lot longer than two minutes. But people are so stupid and tribalist that they can't just understand that there's things that are better that exist. Hey, this thing is cheaper and faster. What do you want? And it's got anonymity. We've got ZK Snark's uh, anonymity in Ethereum through something called Tornado.cash. So we've got anonymity. We've got throughput. We've got even more throughput, 50x throughput with ZK rollups, and it can go up to 500x, which... I could explain to you at some point. Um, optimi uh, optimistic rolls up, uh, roll ups do 500. Maybe, <clears throat> maybe the ZK rolls can do like 100x or something. They're currently doing 55x for a distributed exchange that's using it. Um, so, like, how much ass kicked do you have to get before you realize you got your ass kicked? Bitcoin is getting its ass kicked. It's getting its ass destroyed technologically, and eventually, if the markets are efficient, that should be rewarded in price. Now, that's so not to the say the markets are efficient. It may never get rewarded. The Ethereum price might just die forever. But if, we could, if we're talking about pure technology, Ethereum's beating the fuck out of Bitcoin, murdering it. But that market cap's not. Uh, well, well when, you know, when, when, hey. when will that happen? <laughs> price isn't everything. I agree with that. So <clears throat> uh, Ethereum at the moment, 136. Bitcoin, 7,400. We're talking US dollars. Sure. In our last interview, we spoke about, um, the. I said, besides... It was, I, I wasn't, I didn't allow you to pick Hex because it's your coin. But I said, besides mm -hmm. Hex, uh, what what are your favorite cryptos? And you said mm -hmm. Ethereum, Monero, and I actually can't remember if you said Bitcoin. But I, I think you did. I think you said Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Monero. I, I've certainly evolved over crypto timeline with how I've looked at things. Um, I went from being really big on alts to pushing back to Bitcoin, but now seeing especially with a lot of the smart coins and the evolution of what a lot of these coins are doing, moving back into alts again. Besides... I, I don't like... I, I hate this. I hate the term alts. Why is there a term which includes horrible shit coins that should never have been created along with things that are awesome? It's just stupid that they all get grouped into the same <laughs> thing. It'll never drop, brother. I, I understand, but because you had 
it, it's just stuck. You know, it's like you were talking about in the beginning of our discussion about yeah, for for uh, guys that uh, are around that. for a long time, maybe. But for the new guys, they don't need cancer with that shit. Well, what they call it? Well, I, you just call the it's coins like, what they're called. Like it's what? Like, like the nickname. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, well, you don't you don't have the U.S. dollar, and then I don't, I don't think Monero has anything in common with Ethereum. They're they're not. They don't do the same stuff. And I agree. And I, and I don't entirely. think. I don't think I, XLM has anything in common with uh, BCH. So like, I don't, I don't see any utility in fucking grouping these things together. Oh, we've just had a flip there, my friend. Monero's come up in number ten. How's that? Right. Stellar dropped down to number thirteen quite quick. So mm -hmm. I, I actually um have said that if a government was going to attack a coin per se, I I would see them attacking something like Monero. Now of course it would be the hardest coin to attack in the sense that it's a privacy coin. But if governments want to be able to see what you're doing. As an Australia example, because we've got cash bans and we said, well, we want to make sure you're not operating on the black market. We want to make sure that we can get our tax. Okay, got it. Can you just tell everyone what the cash ban is real quick? Well, the cash ban at the moment is they're saying that anything over $10,000 will be a, a, essentially a criminal offense. So if I was to give you $10,000 cash, that would, if, if this law passes, that would be a criminal offense. And what we're, we're scared of in Australia is, of course, it would start at $10,000, then it would drop to $5,000, then $1,000, and essentially cash would disappear, uh, like we've seen in other countries. Do you, do you love asking someone else for permission to engage in commerce with another party? Like, if you want oh, to buy food, you have to get permission from someone else to use we, their digital see, ledger to we, buy yep, food. We see with you the same way. And that's why what we see Monero would actually be the next target in crypto. And what happens when the internet goes down? Well, we've already seen that now with um, people in, in the bushfires, as an example. This was a good example. So you introduce a cash ban. Uh, all the systems go down. So you've only got FPOS, electronic funds transfer point of sale systems. Uh, I can now no longer buy food or fuel during a bushfire because all the internet's gone down. So this was part of the defense of saying, hey, how dare you ban cash? Because how are we going to do transactions doing emergency situations and it's a it's a fair it's a fair argument i would hope but it's a real situation that we're finding um in in effect places where and it doesn't even have to be a bushfire it could just be a blackout temporarily and we've also seen it in australia where banks have gone down and people haven't been able to buy food or get money out of their bank account because it's like well no the systems are down so cash we see as part of the sovereign part of any country it should and be a human right if if people agreed. have agreed being free from surveillance and and unreasonable searches and seizures is a human right then having sovereignty of your finances should be a human right and having less atm machines and less cash every fucking day disadvantages those people which are already economically disadvantaged as you said the the underclass the unbanked that can't get banked even if they want to it's unfair to those people and yep. it's unfair to those that are wealthy due to anonymity concerns it's disgusting and gross that you have to give your history of purchases to Visa or MasterCard because your government enslaves you to them and that they are forever a portion of your GDP. That's disgusting. Agreed. It should, should be a fucking it. crime to even present such an idea. This Personally. is the passion. The, the passion you're pushing forward here is exactly what we feel in Australia as many parties are coming together. So you might have Cryptoland as an example, and then you've got traditionalists who don't even like crypto. Our worlds are actually coming together to say, pretty much what you said it's this is a human right how dare you have access to everything i have a right to privacy don't i i'm not doing anything illegal but that that's where i think if they were going to because in the cash band in this cash band law initially they've said we're only going to focus on cash but crypto is not off the table so once they get into cash 
then they push us into crypto and combined with negative interest rates, bail-in laws and inflation, where do you put your money? You've got your money trapped in these systems. And this is where gold comes back into it. Well, gold, of course, isn't very fungible. I can't go down to the supermarket and shave off a tenth of a gram of gold to buy a loaf of bread. Even if it's pure gold, they can't do it. It's too cumbersome and they won't accept it. So now we're forced to use the bank's money using their systems, whether it be MasterCard, PayPal, Visa, whatever, where they're taking a cut. I mean, what about the ultimate business model? Anything that is invented anywhere, at any time, any transaction anywhere, this third party that did nothing is going to take a cut from it. And this is where I see people saying, well, hang on, screw you, banks. We don't want to push money through you. We don't want to use your systems. We want it's to not just this. banks. It's I mean, you're going to be using banks and Visa and MasterCard who will all market to you things that are not ideal for you and take a cut out of the middle and you have to ask them permission to do things and sometimes they say no and sometimes the internet says no and sometimes the power company says no and that's a lot of no's for you to be able to buy food it's disgusting see this is where i put it back to you that saying that the groups of people who are in the cryptocurrency is crypto land is not just necessarily buy low sell high but exactly what the yeah but crypto doesn't solve any of those problems either crypto is also digital and requires uh permission of your isp and they could ban the fucking nodes and like the crypto does not solve this problem we need physical cash in addition to crypto we need physical cash in addition to yep. crypto there won't be one currency because I, I'm not going to post $100 cash to you over the post. So there, there will be a digital cash. Why not? We... Well, because if I had a choice, I could do it. You might, but if you I might notice a... it's actually not that bad. If I had a choice, though, if, if right now you said, Adam, I'm going to give you $100 and you said, how do you want it? I'll post it to you or I'll swift it to you or I'll give it to you on Bitcoin. I'll take option three. But it sure. doesn't matter what I... It doesn't matter what I want. My argument, Richard, is that I want those three options. I would say don't take away. We're on the same team options. here. We really are. Cool. Yeah. So it's not hard to them. attack banks. They suck. It's not hard to attack governments. <laughs> they suck. We're on the same team. Banks, governments suck. I'm with you. Your talk with Roger Ver. So by way of background, when I first got into crypto a few years ago, I, I was just watching it on YouTube. I heard about this Bitcoin mining thing. I, I didn't know anything. And I still have so much to learn. And I'm always learning in the crypto space. But one of the commentators on this um, video was Roger Ver. And I didn't actually know make the distinction back then because he was always saying Bitcoin. He wasn't saying Bitcoin cash during his video. He was saying Bitcoin. And then, of course, as I moved through crypto land, I made the distinction between different coins and different brands and the exploitation of Bitcoin. Now, what I really admire about Richard and sorry, Roger and yourself is that when you, although you're on opposing sides to some of the things that you look at in crypto, is that you're able to sit down and you're both able to have a conversation. Now, during one of your recent discussions with him, I actually commented publicly was that what you had done wasn't it wasn't so much what you're talking about it was the fact that you were coming together as two people with opposing arguments in a public space saying we disagree on this let's have a let's have a debate let's do it respectfully and let's go through it so i just want to acknowledge you and roger for doing that because we need more of this because too much as we move into the the new millennia the new decade is that just having a conversation results in physical violence and as example universities being shut down streets being shut down things being labeled with hate speech and and things getting crazy outside of 
that glorification rant. Do you and Roger get along? Like, do you sure. two talk offline or is it only online? Well, not often. He's busy and I'm busy. I mean, we both speak the truth um, and we're both attacked constantly. Uh, and so it's, we've known each other for many, many years. I mean, we met maybe 2012, maybe, maybe 2013. Um, so like both want the same things for the world. We want more personal freedom, less government interference, less violence, you know? So we have pretty much the same goals in mind. It's just a question of means. Like, how do we get there? So, you know, he wanted Bitcoin transactions to be cheaper. No one would help him do it. So he did it the way that he thought would work by forking Bitcoin. And now it does have cheaper transactions, uh, the coin that he does. So, you know, and he's adding features to it faster than Bitcoin's adding features. So he's doing his part to make the world a better place. Um, and it seems like he's getting traction. You know, it's, he's making progress. Now the price chart hasn't really shown that, but maybe one day that, you know, changes. So look at how many people have left Bitcoin to go do other things. Mike Kern, Gavin Anderson, me, Roger, almost everybody. And I think you'll eventually see everyone leave because if you want the world to be a better place, you only have so many routes that you can make that happen. And Bitcoin's not one of them. So like, do you want to just leave the world suck or do you want to try and make an impact and a difference? And if you do, you got to leave the old shit behind. Like there's just, there's nothing you can do there. So, you know, Gavin tried to make bigger blocks, told no. Roger tried to make bigger blocks, no. I used to advertise like, hey, bigger blocks are on the roadmap. You're going to get them anyway because Blockstream wants them anyway. And then that never fucking happened. So it's like, oh, okay, I guess, I guess we're not actually doing the scaling thing. And then you've got this conflict of interest where Blockstream sells cloud mining, centralization. Blockstream sells a liquidity product called Liquid that uh, does, you know, it's trusted with a hardware security module, totally centralized, not totally, but like centralized enough. You don't have access to the hardware and the hardware security module. Well, is that good for Bitcoin? Is, is them selling a competing product for handling liquidity that's not Bitcoin good? Is them selling uh, cloud mining bullshit good? Is them having some ICO platform good? No, it's all bad. It's all bad. That's not good. It's a conflict of interest. So <laughs> how much more suck do you want, guys? You want 65% of the mining in China? Is that where you want it? You want to have centralized mining and you want to have it in China. Well, that's what you got in Bitcoin. You got 65. <laughs> like, you're like, guys, can we fucking like... It's bad. There's a lot of things that are bad and they're not going to get fixed. They're not going to get fixed. So if you want good things, you got to do the hard work and get called, you know, Satanized and demonized. And you got to go do the hard work and, and build new things. And just, there's no way around it. So you're going to continue to see brain drain out of that ecosystem onto platforms where there's a future, where there's hope, where, where things are already running better. <clears throat> Ultimately though, we're, although we, sort of rally for I gave you the analogy of um, football so you might go for one football team I go for another football team but at the end of the day we all love football and I, I see that a lot in crypto land I say you like your crypto I like my crypto he likes his crypto whatever but sometimes we just we forget and we, we almost become like those British soccer hooligans that end up killing each other 
and they, they all love football they all love soccer and they're all there to, to participate in this great game that they love and for us i think in crypto in the crypto community we all embrace this technology and we're all so passionate about it and then it, it unfortunately breaks down the community to a point where we're all sort of I think in-house fighting, but when it comes to you and Roger Ver, um, speaking together, I think it's important. We've also seen it with Peter Schiff, who's actually on the outside of crypto, who's against crypto, but Peter Schiff comes in and he he just, he speaks to us. He, he says, this is why I don't like crypto. This is why I think it's a joke. And this is why I like gold. And we need more of this. And I think in crypto land, we sometimes forget that people are holding on to the horse and cart systems of money whilst we move into an age of fuel jet-powered autonomous transport transport if you will um, but as you've rightfully said we can't influence the federal reserve my fear for crypto is that they can still influence us so i re again refer to andreas antonopoulos if you can't pick it up I, i'm a huge fan of his and if i could speak to him i'd, I'd love to but he says it, it doesn't really matter crypto if you heard stop. about your book on feminism it wouldn't happen <laughs> andreas has some cool ideas but he's an sh he's like he's an, an sjw well yeah he's Hardcore um, SJW. Well, uh, there was a. If you want to book it, if you want to book him in a conference, he makes you fill out a form that says all the shit that you're going to do. SJW style. It's not good. Is that right? Yeah. Have you met him? No. I don't. Do you, I don't you really watch care much to. of his stuff though? So like, it, you're not a big fan. If you dedicate your life to standing on stage saying the same shit over and over again, you're wasting your life. Record it, buy some ads and let the recording do a good job. Maybe throw some production value on there, sound effects, transitions, maybe a nice, uh, pretty interviewer of some sort. That's why you see me doing few of these streams that I do because I've already said most of this shit. You just need to watch the other streams. So it's like if, so I don't, I don't think Andreas has done well with his life personally. And I think that he could have made a bigger impact in the world, just building something cool. He could have built Uniswap and so instead somebody else did. He could have built hacks instead I did. He could have built, uh, you know, some ZK snark stuff instead somebody else did. So he just spends a lot of time shit talking technology, not shit talking, but like saying good things about it, like an evangelist or whatever. And what's the actual good or utility that comes out of that? People buy bags. So they bought Bitcoin bags. Okay, well, what else? What other good thing happened? Maybe someone went into dev around crypto because of something they heard him say. Okay, well, that's that's good, right? So we got those two good things. But this SJW shit is bad. Uh, you know, it's... He's okay. He's an okay evangelist, right? He doesn't curse as much as I do. And, you know, uh, I'd be happy to see him represent uh, Bitcoin or any crypto really publicly. Uh, so it's nice to have that a person that's not sullied himself up too much. You know, I, I curse too much. So when I'm, when I'm in public or something is important, I don't, but you can't rewrite the to, history to avoid it from the yeah. channel. Especially it's difficult when I'm, um, an Aussie, it's part of my language, yeah. but <laughs> I do my so, best. So, so it's just like, if, if you want to talk about a guy that kind of knows the technology, he knows it as well or better than I do. So that's nice. Um, he doesn't know it as well as the people that actually build it because he ain't building shit. So he's like a hobbyist, basically. 
he just hobbies around kind of learning about what's going on. He's right. He's right now got an advertisement out for someone to help update his mastering Ethereum book for like 60 to 80 hours, I think. And he's got a, uh, he's got a new book coming out. That's about lightning networks and how they, you know, there's lightning style networks all over the place. It's just, it's not, it's not a very hard technology. You're just signing, you're trading around, uh, pre-committed, uh, transactions. Like it's not, it's not that hard to get if you look into it and you can do that already in a lot of different, uh, ecosystems. So like in Ethereum, you've got state channels and plasma and Raiden and a lot of other lightning like networks that do the same kind of stuff. So that's what his next book's about. I just, you have to understand what people's real utility is. So is a guy that says nice things about crypto useful? Yes. Is a guy that understands the technology as good or better than I do useful? Yes. Should they be worshiped as a hero and have political influence in regards to social justice warrior stuff? No. Should they have done something better with their life and actually built something instead of talking the same shit personally on stage all the time? Probably. Um, you know, it's like, I, I learned so he's okay. like, freely from him. Like I, I, I just understand what he's saying. I, I speak his language. If, if yeah, I sure. Like he's got, he, you no, know, he I speak so well. I don't want to, I don't want to, I think he is one of the best speakers that crypto could have. And, you know, I'm, I'm seeming overly negative on him because one, I don't think he likes hacks which pisses me off because I think Hex is fucking amazing. Uh, two, I don't think he likes me, which pisses me off because I like me. I think I'm amazing. <laughs> uh, three, I see some hero wor worship for a broke guy that's never built a fucking successful business. He, you know, he just goes around traveling on stage saying the same shit all the time. And that's the same, slightly random because, you know, he does it off the cuff like I do. Um, and it's like, I want to look at the real utility of a human. So what is the end result of a human? All right, well, what did Richard Hart do? Well, Richard Hart called the 20K Christmas four months early at 4K. Did Andreas call shit? No, he didn't call shit. All right, Richard Hart called the bear market at 8,500. Did Andreas call shit? Didn't call shit. Okay, Richard Hart said yeah, close your shorts styles, at 4K. I, I've got so much from both <clears> of you, so I, I, I think it's... Well, I mean, I just, when you add up this list, right? Like I wrote a couple self-help books. Did Andreas write any self-help books? No. Okay, I got rich in crypto. Did Andreas get rich in crypto? No. The only money he got was donated to him because Roger insulted him or somebody insulted him and some nice Bitcoin community just threw some money at his ass because he didn't have any. Right. So, so like, I, if you're, so if you're into a guy that's done less than I have made less than I have gave less except for the outreach community shit. I mean, he's done a lot of talks. This is a good segue into uh, what I want to speak to you about diversity. So in one of your recent live streams, uh, you were a brave man because it triggers a lot of people and trigger warning to a, RSJW's there. I'm about to say a word that can trigger a lot of people. I'm going to say the word gender. And you spoke about gender. Now I'm paraphrasing what you said, but you said, um, I think you're getting smashed in the comments and you're smashing back through the comments. And it was like, uh, it's, it's all guys watching and you're trying to help them. So that made me think about in crypto space, 99, I looked at the stats before I came on tonight, 99.2% of my channel subscribers is male. Um, uh -huh. And this pattern is consistent across crypto land. There are certainly amazing women in the crypto land that uh, speak very well and do a lot of work in crypto, but the numbers, they're less than 2%. Uh, and, and I don't know why that is. Now you went on to say that 
men go through life being criticized and women go through life being praised. And I thought Mm. you were very brave saying... I said that they grow through praise and men grow through challenge. So we we rib each other differently. So men Uh, say... Uh, Again, paraphrasing, so... Sure, good. I'll go with that. Um, And then you went... Just, you wanted to speak about the downside of feminism, which I would argue is fourth wave feminism, that hypocritically tries to say diversity is great, yet we all need to be the same. And now I thought this is very powerful because I agree with you entirely. I think diversity is a wonderful thing, and a, a, a movement to say no, we're all identical and the same, I think, is, is damaging. Now that's not to say when it comes to rights, freedoms, respect, and so forth. Got that, but all of those things don't make us the same and we shouldn't all be the same and then when it comes to speaking about as an example andreas he's he's bringing one side to it you're bringing another side to it and this is the diversity of crypto land but in your my concern is that if if crypto charges forward and we've got 99 percent, or we'll say for argument's sake 98 percent of the crypto community being men and crypto land charges forward and there's billions perhaps trillions of dollars to be made and 98% of all people who are in this space are male and are making that a large portion of those trillions of dollars. Do you think that this is going to potentially be another ammunition in the war on gender as if this thing leverages, 98% of these holdings will be held by men? That's nearly all industries. So if you you don't like that in crypto... You also don't like that in computing and finance and law and governance. And that's the makeup of almost all the important stuff. So like, why aren't girls coming into this? Like it's, we're not, I I see the girls who are involved in it, that they're great and they have great channels. They have great input. They speak freely. They're, uh, I think treated with respect. They've got treated with respect on the internet. That's a good one. <laughs> well, you, well, no hey, one you is treated what? with respect on the internet and surely equally, not uh, girls. You know what? Fair enough. But equally, you can see even in the comments tonight, we're both getting smashed here. So it's not like our genitals per se. Why we're building things, making the world better. The monkeys sit in the stands and throw peanuts. It's like, okay, enjoy my content. Good luck living my narrative. You're thinking so my thoughts. Like- I'm not thinking yours. With someone like Andreas Antonopoulos, if he's an SJW, SJW, how do we get how do we get more females into this space? I don't think that's a good question at all. I think it's a horrible question. And the, tell me why. <sighs> is diversity power? Yes, which is why you have one quarterback on a football team, not eleven. You have one quarterback and a bunch of other roles, and there's many other roles. Why? Because synergy is power. Synergy is power. Specialization is power. And that requires diversity. And diversity requires difference. So if you're trying to force your will on the world based on this lens of gender, you're fucking the world up. There's a difference. The difference often exists because of something underlying. So there's something called the welfare paradox. You can look it up. What you notice is that in countries where people have maximum freedom, there's maximum difference between the genders. In a country where anyone can go to school for free, like Norway, and anyone can become a nurse, the maximum number of females dominating nurses is in Norway. Well, how the fuck did that happen? I th- like I thought, you know, like there would be more equality. No, there's less equality. They have more like 
and when when there's when people are free to execute their will, the natural latent differences in their their character find themselves into the real world easier. So in countries where people have less freedom and they're not allowed to do what they want, then you get less gender difference because people are forced to do shit they don't actually want to do. Girls do not want to read gun magazines. Girls do not want to read martial arts magazines. Girls do not want to read car magazines. Men want to do that shit, which is why when you go to the magazine aisle and you look at the fucking cars and guns and knives and fighting and being strong and being powerful section, it's all dudes. And when you look at the pretty and caring and social and gossipy section, it's all girls. Men are optimized for strength, which is why we're twice as strong. Your average man is twice as strong as your average woman. And your super outperforming man is still twice as strong as your super outperforming woman. I lift heavy as fuck weight every day now. New Year's. Back at it. Took a month off for hex launch. Now I'm back lifting every day. I lift heavy as fuck weight. Why? Well, I do it every day. And I'm a guy. And I've got testosterone. And if you take a girl and you give her testosterone, she's going to lift a lot heavier weight. And it's really that one single chemical of difference. You, you know, there's other chemicals, but that's the primary one. And so even you take a, a hairy guy versus a non-hairy guy. Hairy guy's got more testosterone. Usually lifts more. That's just what's up. That's how it goes. So, and that's why there's a multi-billion dollar industry of people that sell testosterone, right? Because, you know, for those that are interested in power, it gives you more power. There's performance enhancing drugs that people take. To try and pretend that that shit isn't real and that that difference doesn't exist is just goddamn absurd because it's the easiest to see difference in the fucking universe. Every, men are designed for performance, physically. Physical strength, physical speed. Uh, now, what are women optimized for? Shit guys can't do. Can you breastfeed? Can you breastfeed a kid? No. Can you pop a kid out? No. Uh, you know, how are you about your your social interactions? Can you manage a, a social uh, garden? Are you talking about your feelings? Are you keeping everything real quiet? Well, g girls are better at that shit. So girls are more socially adept. They progress faster. They uh, their bodies are sexually uh, productive at an earlier age. You know, they reach puberty earlier. Shit's not a, an, an accident. This has evolved that way, and it has results in the real world. So, you know, what, what's another difference? Girls are more picky about their sexual partners. Why? Because that's an 18-year commitment for them. Your 15 minutes of fun is an 18-year commitment for them. This contraception thing is new in the timeline of, of human history. Well, for a guy, you know, you fool around 15 minutes, kid pops out, all right. Is it an 18-year commitment for you? Usually not. Only if you want it to be, right? Maybe the bills and the, the paying for it's an 18-year commitment, but the actual, you know, are you going to get custody rights over the girl? No. girl's going to get custody rights. Do you have the right to terminate? No. Only she does, right? So, so there's tons and tons and tons of differences that come from our gender, and this disgusting idea that everyone should be equal is gross on its face. It's the opposite, opposite of what works specialization and, and differentiation is what works. And so in, in male and females, it's called sexual, sexual dimorphism. And, you know, every, every living thing to some degree has found this ratio. Every, most things that are alive sexually reproduce. And 
sexual reproduction has huge advantages. You have optimizing, both parties optimizing for traits, and then getting more randomness as an output. It outperforms making clones of yourself and asexual reproduction. So stop trying to fuck up the system that works. We're supposed to be different. There's supposed to be things we optimize for. The guys are supposed to be strong. The masculine energy is supposed to be strong. Sometimes you get guys that are born feminine. Okay, well, then they're doing the feminine energy thing. Fine. Okay, sometimes you get someone's born and they're in the, in the middle ground. Okay, fine, whatever. The majority of people are the gender that they're born with mentally and physically. And don't demonize that shit that works so wonderfully well because now you're just demonizing the whole animal kingdom. What do you, like, <laughs> do you think, uh, like, this stuff works? So guys should be guys. Girls should be girls. Let's all do what we do very well. And there's, and if a guy, you know, acts mentally like a girl, fine, let him, let him do that. Right. If a guy wants to plug other dudes butts with his wiener, fine, go do that. Like what there's this forcing of your sociological desires, this, this eugenics of trying to force a society into what you, for whatever random, random reason think is superior is gross. The world has figured out a lot of shit before you got here and it'll still be figured out a long time after you're gone and girls should act like girls and guys should act like guys. And it just works better. <clears throat> Moving on to your book. So first of all, um, thank you for having the courage to say that. There is so much attack on, I, I guess, stating the, the the logical and the reality, and it's it's crazy out there. Uh, some of the places that I've seen where um, quotas have been set, and it's just throwing off the balance of everything. And, and there's only one way quotas. If it were truly about these quotas, I think they'd be in both fields. Nursing is a good example. Uh, probably education is another one. Maybe hard labor construction. If we're going to have quotas, why not have them everywhere? But we don't see that. And the reason why we don't see that, I think, is because it's uh, it, it's not actually about achieving equality. It's perhaps, and it's what I guess I was alluding to, was uh, the shifting of, of perhaps money. Um, and that's where I'm pushing in the crypto space. When the, when crypto charges forward, and this money pushes forward into one group over another, although it may be just a result of who was in here the longest and those who were doing the hard yards and doing three-hour streams on a Friday night, Sunday night. What night is it? Um, you know, th th those are the consequences of the universe. You do X and Y will occur. You don't do X and Y won't occur. But I, I wanted to actually talk about three parts to your book, if you don't mind. Uh, on page 256, you spoke about avoidance. I'm going to quote something from your book that I thought was quite powerful. It says, uh, and this is from SciVive, page 256, viewers, if you haven't read it, make sure you read this book. It's uh, not polished, and, but I've told you in the last interview, I, I like that it's not polished. I like that you haven't refined it as such, because it, I can really see how you're thinking in this book, I, I think. But this quote says, my theory on life is that a lot of people spend a lot of time doing things, not because they want to do those things, but actually they don't want to do something else. If your marriage sucks, you would try to spend all your time at work. If you don't want to write a book, you'll spend all your time not writing a book, getting laid, getting laid, playing games, etc. Anything else, meta work. Work, that's, work that seems like work, but is not like learning. Learning is not doing. I found that one way to overcome this is to, is to decide what you want and then go and get what you want. Bypass procrastination by doing what you want. End quote. So I find those really powerful words, but uh, I, I seek your guidance, if you will, Richard, on 
how do we know what we want? So as an example, you see a 40 year old who will often jovially say, I'm, I'm 40 or I'm growing up and I still don't know what I want to do. How have you discovered what you wanted to do? And, and are you doing what you want to do? Mm, no, I'm not. So if there's a saying that you should, uh, follow your, uh, your heart's desires and your ambitions, that is the reason that the world uh, sucks to some degree because people don't realize that what they enjoy doing is variable. If you, if you're good at something, you're likely to enjoy doing it. And how do you get good at something by doing something that sucks when you're not good at it? So when you first start playing piano, you're shit. And if you do it for a while, now you're good. And so the difference between learning how to play piano and playing piano is a difference of time investment. And so once you realize you can be good at many different things and you will enjoy those things once you're good at them, then you can choose a path for whatever reason you want to change the world. You want to have an impact. You want to leave a legacy. You know, you want to honor your mother and father, whatever your reason is. And then once you've done well in that area, you're going to get all that other shit. You're going to get all the praise and the happiness and the pride and the respect and the joy and the accomplishment and all those things. And so to think that somehow, and here's the funny part, you're more likely to get those things doing the thing that sucks because there's less competition because it sucked in the beginning. So what's, what's easier? I could go stand on stage and say nice things about crypto all day long because I'm, I'm the headliner. I'll, I'll be the most popular guy there. There's only maybe one or two other, I don't know, maybe 10 other people that are as popular or more. And so I could go headline at every crypto show I want and go bask in the, you know, the audience's glow and all that shit. And what would the world be better for that? It wouldn't be better. It's me being personally greedy, wanting to do something that doesn't scale. Now, what actually scales? What actually scales is shit no one wants to do. Okay, let's write some slogans, right? This is the power to profit logo from way back when. It's got alliteration in it, two P's, power to profit. The, you know, Hex has got free for Bitcoin holders, stake it till you make it, uh, world's first blockchain CD, uh, staking hex is like getting free electricity and mining hardware. And then you come up with all these slogans, like, uh, what are some other ones that have alliteration in them? I don't, I don't, we have a whole big list of these things and writing those slogans is something that lasts forever. So like what's Bitcoin slogan it used to be something with currency. Now I guess it's digital gold because that narrative fell off. Okay. What else do we got? Hoddle. That's it. That's all you fucking got. Now, could somebody be working and writing better headlines and slogans and throwing some ad money at them to see if they work? Sure, they could, but they're not because of the tragedy of the commons. No one owns enough big, a big enough bag to put in 50K into that to hope to make 100K out of the other side. Because if they did, they'd put in their 50K and they would get no K back. The price wouldn't move from their effort. They would just lose the 50K. Same reason there's no bug bounties because you would pay 50K for a bug bounty program someone would find a bug, you'd lose your 50K and the whole network would be better, but you personally, you'd be fucked. That's why it's called a tragedy. It's a tragedy of the commons. Well, you know, uh, it, my point is you want to do the things only you can do. If, if you do the things only you can do, or you do the things that less people are willing to do, there's outsized profit there because there's less competition and you have more pricing power because there's less competition and you get free press because there's less competition. So right now, Hex launched when there's not much else going on. 
so coin telegraph an hour ago just wrote an article that trash as hex but still we got an article well do you want an article or no article the people that weren't going to buy they weren't going to buy anyway but some people that see the project will buy because it's fucking cool so bad press is good press because that math right it's just like the long short math like being long is so much better than being short mathematically and being uh in the news is so much better than not just look at trump everyone hates trump right he's president how'd that work out for everybody the yell louder they yelled the better he did hey everybody hates fake satoshi right guys on crypto hey look how that worked out everybody hates richard hart right okay well just gonna work my way up the market cap chart here <laughs> It was a not a price prediction. Guy. I don't know what's going to go on, but for, for comedy, I'm telling you that in general, people that get hated, they tend to benefit from that hate more than they get harmed by it. So of course I did ages ago. They're talking about you. You don't actually know you've made it until you, you've got a hater. And I, um, I, I didn't quite understand it at the time. And you know, when you launch a YouTube channel, pretty much everyone who subscribes to you likes you because you're so small and insignificant, but then you, it sort of takes a shift as you grow bigger, you get, you get people who subscribe to make sure that they can trash you every time you publish everything. Mm -hmm. And when that first started, when I first got mine, my first haters around the 1K mark, I'm like, you know, at first, personally, you're like, oh my God, I'm getting smashed here. But then when you step back, you're like, oh, I, I got my first hater. And does, this is the first step. Okay, I'm, I'm starting to make some difference. because yeah, you, you know who's hated? Everyone that matters in the world. Everyone. Donald Trump's hated. Well, the, Elon Musk's hated. Steve Jobs hated, Bill Gates hated, these motherfuckers just hate his job. So like, all right, if you if you're making a difference, people hate you. In your book, you you say use your jealousy. I think it's uh, around the, the three hundred page three hundred, but it says around uh, three sixty four. I'll actually go back a step. It says free up your time by not wasting it. So don't do the wrong things. And you state replacing time wasting with time honoring i really like that time wasting with time honoring it says take everything you do that upon analysis doesn't actually lead to any tangible benefits to your life and just replace them and do it for three weeks this then moves on to use your jealousy jealousy exists to motivate you to act in the right directions so i think with some of the the haters in comments is that they're, they're sitting on these sidelines and instead of using that jealousy to you know, be what they don't want to see. So if they see you and I doing something and it's, I'll give an example. I, I recently did a, a discussion about uh, fiat currency and someone got really passionate and they said, the reason why I can't afford a house is because you own so many of them. And they were getting very angry at me. Go build your own house. That, well, of course, a, 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 an entrepreneur or a motivated person or someone who can think logically would say, well, go get a house but their argument was well because you've bought so many houses you've put the price up around the world and it's people like you have stopped me from getting a house and it's like well if if i see that on the sidelines some people will say it's all your fault and point the finger but other people will say well how can i actually use this this energy whether it's good or negative energy it's still energy it's some type of motivation to do something so i, I think I, I think it's hilarious that increasing the supply reduced his ability to get a part of the supply do you know how stupid that idea is? <laughs> no, no. It's the I'm dumbest buying. fucking thing I've ever heard. No, no, I was buying up the supply. So yeah, I it doesn't make any it. sense. You just incentivize people to increase, like, exactly. fuck that guy. Yeah. Fuck that guy. <laughs> no Bitcoin for him. No hex for him either. Yeah. Uh, the, the last bit was page 280 to 282. 
Now, I really wish, Richard, this is, in my opinion, some of the best part of your book because it actually got me really enthralled. But you didn't dive deep enough. I, I, I was a big book. Who am I to say that you didn't dive deep enough? There's over 400 pages. But page 282 is called Finding Great People. I, I found it a really fun part of your book. I really enjoyed that. And just as I got into something, you'd went on to the next part. So I, I, I'm not so much knocking it to say it was shit. I'm, I'm knocking it to say I wish you had done more in those sections because I found them really powerful. You're basically talking about meeting people uh, in nightclubs and certain environments, uh, in the wrong environment and the right environment. But maybe short was sweet. Maybe because you kept it short, I found it really powerful. But I, I touched on this on, your, on our last discussion. Uh, are you finding it more difficult to meet people as you climb up the... Give it a, I don't a go outside. Example. I haven't seen the outside in a long time. So I'm not, I'm not doing the meeting people thing. I went, I mean, before Hacks launched, I did a little talk tour, um, you know, because it was just convenient. But how's that going for you? Well, it. I am a weird animal. I feel emotionally worse when things are going well. For me, if everything's gone to shit, I feel good. Because the path that you're supposed to take is very clear. Okay, everything's going to shit. All right, well, here's the only thing that might work. Let's do that. And then you feel good. You're like, yeah, I'm doing a thing. The best thing that can be done, I'm doing it. So I feel good. But when everything's going well, are you doing all the things you could do? Nope. Nope. So many things to do. So many things. And then now it's all triage. Every single day, it's like, what am I going to ignore? Well, this would be good. This would be good. This would be good. This would be good. And then I've got to think, all right, well, I think this is the best. And every, all that other stuff, I don't do. And when I have that cue of all of that missed opportunity, even though I'm doing triage and choosing the right thing, it, it feels bad to me. I feel like I'm losing. It really pisses me off. Um, so me, I'm more emotionally stressed uh, now that Hex is going well than when it didn't exist because the path was clear then. Now think about all the cool things that could happen. I'll give you some ideas. Once again, no expectations, no promises, nothing. Expect nothing of me, expect nothing of anyone else. Let's talk about cool things that could exist for Hex. Maybe some nice person one day will do something. Maybe not. We've got ZK snarks that do anonymity uh, for ERC twenties on Ethereum. All right. Well, we could have a hex branded in the user interface, uh, access to that contract or fork of that contract specifically for hex. And then we would have anonymity in hex. We could have meta transactions so that you, when you want to send hex somewhere else, you don't need uh, ETH to pay gas, the, pe the penny or two of ETH. You just pay with hex and then some other thing takes care of that. What else? You could have a stable coin that works off Hex. So there's a whole, it's, someone already built a Ponzi scheme on top of Hex, which I won't promote because I don't like Ponzi schemes. I think they're bad for the world. Um, and they've already got like 200 million Hex in it um, from people that fell for it, I guess. So there's already people building on top of hex and if we have more better building i think that's better so 
and anyone could do this, right? You, you could, you could be the one that makes the ZK snark things work. Uh, you could be the one that, uh, you know, puts a stable coin on hex. You could be the one that does any of these things because it's distributed finance. All these things plug in with each other, right? So there's no essential effort from me or any other party or any effort. It's something you can do, right? You are responsible for your own, your own productivity. So like, that's all really cool stuff. Now the question is, is anonymity in hex and getting rid of ETH, a penny or two of ETH for fees and hacks and uh, a stable coin hacks or any of those things is valuable as having better slogans and having better banners that are in common sizes and things like that. I think that onboarding is better uh, than those things because right now those, those technological improvements, they only get multiplied against the, you know, maybe 10,000 users of Hex currently. It's only 30 days old. I've got about 10,000 users, my guess. Um, so I think that you could multiply the awesome, amazing features and benefits it has already times a larger mass of humans to get a, a better net productivity than by trying to amplify the features and performance for the, the smaller user group now. So I'd like to see people working on onboarding. Um, so what, I'll give you an example. Why are all these spammers able to message my users through fake spam accounts, but I can't? So I've never direct messaged my users, but the damn spammers have. Why, like, I've never, uh, there, there's so much outreach that could be done. Like, it's, there's how many people out there promoting referral programs for margin trading where people lose all their money. Mm. I want to be nicer to replace some of those life destroying links with links to a free coin they can claim for free since they already had Bitcoin. <clears throat> that seems like a no brainer to me. So for me personally, I'm not emotionally in a great spot because there's so much opportunity and we're really just picking the, the low hanging fruit um, first. So a wise man once said to me, he said, Adam, if you're not failing 20, at least 20% of the time, you're not trying hard enough. Right. So it was a time in my um, career when I was about to go for a, a, a huge change, a big promotion. And I, I was quite young. And I said, well, what if I fail? And he said, well, good. And basically said, you know, if, and it kind of relates to what you're saying, you know, if, if everything's smooth sailing and you're not really doing anything, you're not getting out of your comfort zone, well, how are you advancing? You know, how is anything happening? So where do you go from here? Now Now that you've launched this bad boy, what what's chapter two? Like, what do you do now? Well, hmm. Once again, the Howie test and promises of work. I do nothing that benefits uh, anyone in the Hex ecosystem. I just sit around. I like to see SciVive happen. Uh, SciVive is better than crypto. We need more medical research. We need more science. I'm fat. I'm old. Any medical research. Any people start doing it now so that when I really need it 20 years from now, hopefully, it's there. Guess who else needs that? Every other old person out there. And they just happen to have all the money too. So hey, old people, I have an idea. Why don't you do what's in your own best interest and save your own life? by doing medical research. You can still get wealthy doing it. You can still get famous doing it. 
the life you save might be your own. And if it doesn't save your life, it can save your loved one's lives. So let's do the best thing in the world. Let's do medical research. Truly the best thing in the world. I haven't been able to put any time on that just yet. So I wrote the SciVive books in the hopes to help make those movements occur by fulfilling you all the other places. You want the sex, drugs, rock and roll, all that stuff? Okay, we're going to give you that. Now, let's stick around for a little bit longer. Let's have a longer health span. That's the idea. Because you can't get them health span straight. They don't care. They're just like, eh, you know, they don't, they're not into it. But if you can get them with all this other stuff, then you can pivot them and pull them into the right thing. So that's what SciVive is designed to do. Um, needs The editing needs to be finished. Books need to be published. Books need to be marketed. I need to, you know, do tour. That that stuff all has to happen. So right now I'm still looking and analyzing how Hex works and, you know, uh, positing ideas as to to what I think is better and worse. And then at, at some point, SciVive needs to push and have money thrown in it and have effort thrown at it because... I'm not getting any younger and I'm not, I am getting skinnier now, but, uh, <laughs> I've been so fat for so long that I'm probably missing a couple of years of lifespan over it. Richard, from what I hear sitting on the sidelines is that, that I think I'd like to see two things from you, if I may, just, uh, as a fan and as someone who enjoys your work, I, I want to see this book refined because I've read it a couple of times. And as I said, I like it raw and non-refined, but as I've also said, I think there's bits that there's more that you can give us and there's more that we need. And I, I would suggest that with that book, if I may, is that I, I actually see it being in volumes because it's so wide I agree with you. and it covers Yeah, it's so like much. seven books worth of material. And it's that Agreed. long as well. <laughs> yeah. And and let's face it, people get freaked out with 400. It's the same with YouTube videos. Some people won't watch this because we're coming up to three hours now. Yep. Whereas other YouTubers might do a three-minute video and it gets more hits, you know, right. different markets. But certainly with your book, I see different volumes there. I think it would still be sci-fi, but it would be volume one, two, three, four, whatever. I agree. And I think at the I same time that. now that you've got this rest is that I, I'm around your age. You've got to focus on the body. I've... um. I'm about to go overseas for a while and I'm, I'm really trying to ramp up my physical fitness to cope with what I'm about to go through overseas. And uh, What are you going to go through? Certainly as I, yeah, well, as I get older, as, as we all get older, it, it the, the falling back in our fitness, it, it takes so much longer. I can remember when I was 18, you could be off for three months and then get straight back and be at your peak within a week, it felt like. Right. Now it's like three months to get back to your peak. But right. I, I look forward to, to seeing you... Uh, improve on your health and and focus on what you you tell us all is like focus on your health. my, my diet's perfect right now my diet's perfect my workouts are near perfect there's just you know not as much cardio as some people would like to see i'm what was very very happy with that the book well if uh oh, sorry during the um during the hex launch what was your poison as in was it uh beer or chocolate no, or none of that like none of that i mean i'm a stress eater but you know didn't, i didn't really screw up the diet if, if i screwed up the diet as well as being stagnant and not moving around, I would be even bigger. So, right. So like before I started, I think December 2nd, I was 267.5 pounds. It's big. That's big. Mike Tyson was like 219. So it's like, all right. <laughs> How tall are you? Uh, about six foot. So, you know, now I'm just, you wake up breakfast. Nope. <laughs> Some oil pills. Uh, they're good for your heart and they cut your appetite down. 
and then just wait as long as you can. So what you're doing is you're eating less often and then really your stomach just gets smaller and you get full so much quicker. Yeah. So now when you do actually eat, you're full halfway through. It's really easy to push the food away. And then if you eat food that doesn't taste that good, it's even easier to push it away. Get rid of it. I don't even like it. So I'm not, I'm not eating the food that, and then because I'm lifting weights heavy every day, I'm also, uh, increasing my protein intake. And then if you, if you're eating protein, you don't really have space for anything else. Really pretty full on it, you know? So if you, if you put the workout first thing in the morning, so nothing else can get in the way and you can't skip it, you put the protein in there. Well, it's, it's hard to screw up because you already did your workout. Can't get in the way of it. You already ate your protein. You're already full. You already starved or were hungry for a long time. And so now your stomach's smaller. It just makes everything easier for you. It takes less effort. So now you don't have to use willpower. Workout's done. Now you don't have to use willpower. You're already full. It's just, you know, that stuff all helps you stick with it. And the fact that you've been doing it for so many days in a row, you don't want to break that chain. You don't want to have a, a chain breaker. Well, then uh, that makes it easier to, to get it done too. So all these things amplify the likelihood that you stick with something because I, I don't have the privilege of someone else having power over me. Since I'm the only person that has power over me, it's very easy for me to give myself a pass. So I, I need to not do that, you know? There's three things. Well, I, I play baseball and I, I never want to let the team down. So that kind of pushes me to keep moving there. I also have a, a pretty good gym membership and I, I purposely got the most expensive one in Canberra and that in itself motivates me to make sure I go to the gym to get the value, money's value. Yeah, you're trying to, every little angle you can use to help compound to get you to do the right thing. So you know I've, the third one that I got? The, the third one I got. a I, young I got girlfriend? <laughs> no. Well, actually, that would be the fourth one if it could happen. I would, I actually, my, my, um, I've got a great dog who makes me walk him every single night and he's just, he's my bestie. And I, I know you lost your dog a, a while back. So if you want a training buddy, man, get a dog who likes to be walked and I just can't not walk him. And I'm, I'm walking kilometers every week just from taking my dog. And as soon as I finish this interview, it's nearly midnight here, but I'm going to take my boy for a walk, provided there's not too much smoke out there. Right. So if you're sitting in that big house alone, brother, don't, don't be shy to get another dog if you're ready to get True. another one. Yep. So, I mean, everything, the impact that I want to have in the world is nearly entirely digital currently. I, I, I have been to many uh, shows, stood on the stage. It's all fun. But let's be serious, how many people do you really reach? Single thousands. This video will reach 14,000 people, at least, after a week or so. Well, do you want to reach 1,000 in person? You reach 14,000, and then it keeps paying off for the rest of your lifetime. YouTube videos are a superior medium by which I could reach people. And if I threw money actually advertising these things, or even editing the thumbnail, or doing clickbait titles, or making a stupid face for the thumbnail, or all the other crap YouTubers do, any of that stuff would scale more than me manually driving around, polluting with, you know, air flights and all this other crap. I, I'll get more done digitally over Telegram and, and through YouTube videos and Twitter than I will in person, always. And I believe that's the case for almost anybody. These, these in-person meetups and trade shows and shit, they almost never go anywhere. You'll forget to contact half the people that you met there. You won't find synergy. If you'd bought coins instead of that stupid ticket, a couple years later, the coins could be worth a lot. Your ticket ain't worth a damn thing. I'm not a big fan of these in-person, time-wasting bullshit where a couple people sit on stage and say the same thing 
that they said at the last show that's already on YouTube. It's just a waste of damn time. So it, it's funny you should say that because I, I was um, looking at some of the. There was I think an Ethereum thing here in in Australia, and it was it was something like five hundred bucks for a ticket, and that was just a ticket to get in there. Then I had to travel down there and stay in a hotel, and and some people say, well, you know, it's really good networking, and that may be true. Right. I, I've it's never nice. met you, as in I, I'm I'm talking to you now. We've yeah. never gone to a conference together. Yeah. Uh, we're I, I think creating some synergy here, and I'm learning from you, and we're hopefully getting something from me and as a result we're not actually burning fossil fuel by flying to it, to one another sure there's some electricity involved here in the computers that we're using right now but it was free finding... it was free we would have spent yeah. we would have spent our three-hour conversation that we've just had if we wanted to meet up we would have consumed individually more than than three hours to do it so this conversation we got to have was free because we just cut out transition time so i'm a, I'm a big believer in live like live where you work do not travel to your work, move closer to your work or, or like, mm. it's like, if you can get like, what are you doing? You're polluting and getting into car accidents and, and having maintenance costs and insurance and all this extra shit for what? Like, do you do, do you work better at the office? Well, then make an office at your house then, or like whatever, like it's one of the few places in the world where there's huge advantages to, to just cutting out transition time. The reach that you speak about as well, a, a big fan of a channel called Philosophize This. It's actually on um, Spotify. And it's a, a gentleman, a young guy uh, called Stephen West. And he was saying in one of his um, podcasts, he was saying that he's, he's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. And he was saying that his family is putting pressure on him to be a university lecturer. And he said, well, imagine I was a university lecturer. How many people could I actually reach? And it, it was pretty much what you've just said, but he, he said it some time ago. And it really got me thinking. It's like, if I, if I became a lecturer, how many people could I reach? And if you were in a university lecturer, as a university lecturer, how many people could you reach? Yep. And when I studied in Malibu, California, there was a, a gentleman uh, also called Richard, and he he was a, a multi, multi-millionaire, I think even a billionaire. And it's funny, you go through university, and of all the classes I've done in all the countries around the world, his class is the one I remember the most. Uh, Richard Phillips was his name. But he, the, the class that we were in were at a private Christian university in, in Malibu, which probably give it away to a lot of people. But he taught about 20 people per class. Now, to me, his word was, was worth all of those classes together, plus all the study. And, but he was only sharing his word with 20 people. But had he been on a platform like this, not only would many of people got it, but they would have got it for free because the cost of going to that university was ridiculous. Uh, I, I certainly didn't pay it. I paid fees in Australia, deferred them, and didn't exchange over it. I couldn't have afforded it, especially at that age. Um, but as a result, I'm, I'm thinking that a lot of these university lecturers, I, I hope, and they are putting more online, but I hope that they, the good ones in particular, I hope that they leverage off the platform that we're using to you know, get the knowledge out there and, and start sh sharing this stuff for free. I've often said that most of the stuff that I've learned over the last few years has been completely free off YouTube. And in many instances, besides giving me a piece of paper that says you've done this course, I, I, I really believe that I've learned more off YouTube over the last few years than I did it sort of eight years at university. Yep. And um, I, I feel a little bit guilty about that because I spent a fortune uh, at university over many years in many countries. But yet I'm getting more out of, as example, your stuff and other people's stuff 
But the difference is I'm not getting a piece of paper that says you've learned this. I can only prove it through performance. Well, and, and for smart people that hire, that's better. I don't care about what school you went to. I care about what you can do. And if you didn't learn anything at school that I want you to do, it doesn't really matter. I need you to do the thing. So I'm not a, I've got a video on how to fix education. It's in my early YouTube videos. And it's also in that second book. So there's two sci-fi books. One's sci-fi and one's called Fix the World. And I think the education reform stuff's in the fi Fix the World part. Well, Richard, we've done uh, three hours here. This is a new record for me. Thank you. Right. I've got two new records with you. Uh, the first one was my first live stream ever. The All second right. one is my, my longest video ever. Nice. Uh, so I don't know what the next record will be, but thank you for sharing these new experiences I, with me. I appreciate you having me on, and I really uh, love that you have read the material and are thus qualified to ask intelligent questions and identify parts that you liked and parts that you didn't like. Um, I wish more people would put the time in to, to learn the stuff because that that's the best value to you. The, the best value to you personally is what you can learn and, and, and optimize your behavior from those things that you've learned. You know, just watching a YouTube video and having the feeling of being part of a live stream community, that's, that's of some value, but the lasting value, the life-changing value, like, you know, you watch that video on feminism that was the first video I ever did on YouTube. Uh, some other people watched my, you know, poker sucks and video games suck and do something better with your time and you're just torturing the guy on the other side and poker's, you know, you're, you're taking that guy's money. And how is that good for the world? Is he going to go work harder at his job now or is his kids going to go, you know, without a home? Is he going to kill himself? And, and all, all you, both you guys, really all you're doing is making the house rich because you guys will have bad beats and you'll blow out too. And so it's just bad for everybody, right? These zero sum game, I think you were saying in those videos. Negative, negative sum. It's yeah. worse than zero sum because of the overhead friction, because the the person in the middle pairing you guys up together, making those fees on you guys. Margin trading's bad, poker's bad. Grinding games that don't have a beginning and an end, they just turn you into a, you know, a machine that clicks and packs and there's no new narrative. There's no new characters, there's nothing. It's just you being turned into a human ATM for the company to get to the next level. Those things are all terrible. That one video I made, um, it used to be called, you know, why poker sucks and gaming sucks. And now it's called why, tra why trading sucks. Um, that changed lives. And now a couple of years later, I have people tell me how they changed their lives and stopped being professional poker players because of that video. I was like, God damn, I didn't know. You know, and I wouldn't know unless they told me. And the fact that that had so much impact with no marketing, like uh, I think I put maybe $1,000 total um, into my trying to promote that like a couple of years ago. I didn't, they just screwed me and gave me children, children viewers. It's like, wow, thanks. Thanks, YouTube. Real good work. Because they hide where the keyword is that they came in on. And I finally found the screen that shows it to you. And I was like, oh, learn the alphabets. That's great learn the alphabets in Arabic, even better. Mm. You're the best YouTube. Thank you for these Arabic children learning from my politics video. What is wrong with you fuckers? I chose the right age demographic. I chose the right, you know, like I, I selected the right boxes and they just fucked me right over. I guarantee you they're fucking over a lot of other people too. Guarantee it. So that's why that's another reason the COPP ad COPPA ad is going to hurt their pocketbooks a lot because they're selling a lot of fake views from kids being babysitted by YouTube as though they were adults interested in products. A lot. 
a lot, a lot of that. So hopefully, hopefully there's less of that in the world. It's not good for the kids. It's not good for the advertisers. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you had me on. I'm glad we had this chat. I'm happy to do it anytime. And, uh, yes, I vive. It's the next thing. And thanks also for, um, allowing a space for controlled friction. You know, like when we disagree on something, I, as I said, I, I, I kind of long for these, these debates because sometimes we're too scared to say, no, I disagree with you, but that's never been the case. And with any of your videos, not just with me, but with anyone who you talk to, but at the end of it, you can sit down and figuratively have a beer afterwards. So um, thank you for creating the space where it's we my can pleasure, man. openly debate, man. I've really enjoyed this. For your viewers, uh, my name's Adam Stokes. If you haven't joined my channel, there's a link below. Please <clears throat> come on board and figure out uh, and join me on the journey of crypto at my What's end. your channel name? Uh, Adam Stokes. It's very original. Okay. I <laughs> I fell into this space. I, I actually accidentally made a channel, so to speak, when I first... I kept talking about crypto, kept talking about it. I was heavily into mining and I kept explaining mining over and over again. And then someone was doing work on my house and they actually said, hey, you should make a YouTube channel. And it, it leverages off what we we're talking about before. I kept explaining everything one-on-one -on -one, and it was very inefficient, very cumbersome. I was even going to little groups of meetups of five or six people where I was sitting down explaining the whole thing until someone said the obvious. I said, why don't you just make a YouTube channel so you can do this once and anyone can look at it. And I, I had never thought about that, and I did it. And, of course, when you first publish a video, you don't know what the hell you're doing. But suddenly you started getting subs, and it's like, hey, this this stuff can reach wider. And then some videos, uh, the, the views were up into 20,000 views uh, with no nowhere near as many subs. So subs is only one measurement, and then, of course, the views is another measurement. And then I guess the third measurement is the time watched. Um, and then you sort of get addicted to the analytics. But yeah, the, the channel is just called Adam Stokes. Um, your channel is uh, Richard Hart, but you've got other links there, Richard. Do you want to give yourself a quick plug before we sign off? Yeah. So if you want to download the SciVive books, just go to t.me forward slash SciVive. That's S-C-I-V-I-V-E. If you want to uh, check out Hex, go to pumpamentals.com or hex.win if you don't want the 10% bonus you can get from any referral link um <clears throat> if you want to you know if i make price calls in ethereum or bitcoin they'll be at richard's calls t.me forward slash richard's calls and i'll just list you some channels because we got a lot of telegram channels hex crypto hex memes hex news hex fud hex aa hex otc hex trading hex charts hex bs if you want to post nudes uh <laughs> strape charts Strape, Richard's Calls, Richard Hart GIFs. Uh, we've got a crypto dev channel, which you can message me if you're dev. I'll tell you about it. Am I missing any? Then we've got Richard Hart Win on uh, Twitter. We've got Richard Hart on YouTube. I like the sends.org uh, charity if you want to give some money away. And then there's a, and they accept crypto. And then there's also a longevity fund. You can just Google longevity fund and you'll find it. Maybe that's something cool. Anything else? Free books, free coins, free price calls, free videos, no ads. Yeah, I think that's it. Pretty much all the uh, links that you mentioned there, Richard, are in the description below, viewers. 
So if you want to check it out, make sure you click on those links below. Uh, also a hex contract address as well as a hex verified code. Richard Hart, I've really enjoyed speaking with you tonight. Uh, thank you so much. My Thanks pleasure, for listening. Man. Happy thank investing you. to everyone, and I'll talk to you next time. See you, man. Ciao. We're still live because I can't find the end button. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking for it. Where is the end button? I don't get it. I don't know. I, I could leave the meeting. What is going on? You just have a blank screen at your end. I don't know where the end button is. This is crazy. <laughs> you have to pull the cable. Well, we'll do another three hours. All right, hold on. I'll let you go and I'll just stay solid. All right, I'll talk to you later, man. All right, brother, you Bye. sure? You're okay? Yeah, I'm all right. Soon? I'll manage it. Ciao. All right, brother. I'm taking Dino for a walk. See you later. Later. All right, chat. Uh, YouTube changed the interface, and the end button isn't where it is supposed to be. So let's see if I can find it. How weird is this? I hate when YouTube changes stuff. It's so dumb. All right. Creator Studio. I guess I could answer a couple questions now that I just stuck here. Give me a minute to find the uh, the screen. Live now. Here we are. Okay. Now there's an end stream. Cool. All right, chat. Got any questions? Scroll up here. Hilarious. Free price calls, someone puts in quotes. Did you call the 20K Christmas? Did you do it on television? I did. Okay. You're welcome. What else? Thanks for the live stream. You're welcome. Take care. Thank you. How many hex for your money? Grab necklace. <laughs> I don't want to sell this, man. I like this. One Adam Meister, good question. Whatever he wants, lol. One hex pump. I don't know, man. You're dealing with a really illiquid market. Anyone could set the price to whatever they want for pretty affordable in crypto terms. So if you're if you're looking at illiquid coin with an illiquid market, it it's a volatile thing. <clears throat> watch Richard find the stop button live. Yeah. I had to start from scratch and just like open a new browser window and like go through the whole thing again because the button was literally just gone. I think I, I think I know why. No. Yes. I know why. Okay. I had zoomed in and then for some reason, when you zoom in, it doesn't readjust the, uh, the edge. So just cut the button off. So that's good that I know that it does that. What a stupid zoom function. <clears throat> that's solved. Yay. Someone says called the 20k Christmas. Ha ha ha. I not only called the 20k Christmas, I called the 19k short. So Google Richard Hart win 19k Bitcoin and kiss my ass because I called it wonderfully. So I'm going to take the credit that I deserve for that. Thank you.
I'm going to zoom back in now so I can read your guys' chat. <clears throat> Do I see a major shift in global consciousness towards health? Uh, no. What would have to occur uh, to call Hex a failure? And what would have to be called a success? It's already a success. It's already got 10,000 plus users that are using it and it's getting more every day and the technology works great. So I'm very happy with all that. Now, where if you're talking about price performance, the thing was designed to do higher ROI and having a lower wick down makes higher ROI easier, high ROI easier because it sets the bottom lower. So if you, if you wanted to build something that had a very high ROI and you could only go up to a certain price point on the top, the only way to get more ROI would be to push the bottom down. So it's, I don't, I don't personally care about what's going on on day 30 of a one year launch. As long as new users are being onboarded and the stuff is working great, price goes up, price goes down. Does it really matter if you weren't going to sell anyway? It's just volatility. You know, I bought Bitcoin at 30, went down to two, watched it flash crash on exchange to one penny. Didn't, didn't affect the technology. <clears throat> Every, it's hard to really take these price calls seriously when Bitcoin's dropped 85% from 20K and Ethereum dropped 95% from 1500. It's just in the game. That's, that's what it does. That's crypto. <clears throat> and Bitcoin and Ethereum still work great. So price changed technology still works good. Richard doesn't really want to end the live stream. Well, <laughs> I've stuck here cause I couldn't find the end button. So I figured I'd just answer some questions. The one population with longevity tech, if it succeeds, population explodes. Not really. Uh, people tend to have less kids. And we can move to other planets. And we could have wars. And we could have diseases. And we could have meritocracy. And there's, come on, dude. Your overcrowding problem will happen hundreds of years from now. You'll be lucky to see it. Chill. If it ever happens. How's a good accounting function work exactly? It basically ends your stake, but doesn't mint the coins. So then you can just mint them later. It's basically how it works. So you can defer income without penalties by running good accounting instead of end stake, and then mint your coins when you want. Now, how that works in your jurisdiction with taxes and whatnot, I don't know, but it's a nice feature to have. Richard Hart is an MF boss. Thanks, bro. Really interested in supplements and stacks that you take. I just take uh, fish oil. That's it. If you want to read about supplements and stacks, you should go to examine.com, E-X-A-M-I-N-E.com. They do the best research on that. Looking through the questions here. If bot hacks on exchange now, can it be staked or not? Yes. Yes, you can. You can go to this very special Uniswap link 
uh, that you need that particular link, or you can just paste the contract code in the search, um, not contract code, but the contract address. It's just easier to use the link, uh, which you can find on uh, twitter.com forward slash hex crypto or t.me forward slash hex crypto. Uh, click the pinned link, and then you'll see the links to the exchanges and Uniswap's there. Uniswap's awesome. ETH to hex, hex to ETH, back and forth. No middlemen, no sign up, no counterparty. Instant, just awesome. As instant as, you know, 10 second blocks will get you. <clears throat> Or you can use the adoption amplifier, which is at go.hex.win, which lets you transform uh, ETH into HEX, well, directly, like you mint your own coins. Happens every day at 7 p.m. EST. You also cried on Ivan's TV for loosing money. People that can't spell lose, they say loosing. It's always funny to me. Uh, yeah, I called the bear market at 8,500 on Ivan on tech, and then we went to 3,000. You're welcome. And then I told people to close their shorts at 4K. You're welcome, sad kid. Um, thanks for Hex, you're welcome. More welcome than the last guy. What's my next wonderful call? I, The market's changed. It's a different game now. It's a lot harder than it used to be. So I'm focused on things that I feel are, are better than taking money from other traders. How early are all of us in the crypto space? Pretty early, man. Nobody uses this stuff yet. Intermittent fast plus meat primary diet is best. Sounds good to me, dude. I don't mind that idea at all. Even admin Dan says, hey, Trollbox, good job this morning keeping the conversation on point. Uh, yeah, these questions are actually pretty good here. Richard would make a good general if we went to World War III. Uh, thanks. I hope that we never find that out. Somebody says they support Syvive. Come and join the chat, man. T.me forward slash Syvive. Somebody says my friend got scammed and he wants to know how to get it back. The history of people getting things back from being scammed has never been good in the history of scams. I just very rarely do people get made whole. Does origin address get end stake penalty if it doesn't end stake at right time? The origin address has never staked. So I would be surprised if the origin address ever did stake. The addresses that it has sent to have staked. <clears throat> Why would people buy hex in two years? I don't know, dude. Why is Dogecoin a quarter of a billion dollars? Let me know. Why Why do people buy fake internet money called Bitcoin? Why do they do that? It's just how it is, man. Deal. Why did, why did people transform $7.2 million of ETH into Hex in the first 30 days? Because it's awesome. Like, what, what, like what? it's It's awesome. Like, I don't know what, uh, I don't know. Like that question always bothers me because one things that shouldn't go up do. And then two, this thing is, is awesome. So like one, it's awesome. And two, even if it wasn't awesome, it doesn't seem to affect crypto prices. 
Look at this asshole. Richard Hart, you may have called like so many other did, but you didn't sell 20K, nor did you short 19K. Bitch, go Google it, please. Idiot. Like literally saying the opposite of reality. Somebody asked, if you bought Hexon Exchange, can you stake it? The answer is yes. They asked again for some reason. Do I ride motorbikes? No. Donor cycles. That's where a lot of organ donors come from. Oh, somebody in chat already said that. Dan said that. Good one, Dan. Thoughts on Iran, USA? I don't really have any. Not focused on that. Somebody says, at what point do I have to hire someone to unstake? I don't know what that means. Anyone can run the good accounting function for you so that you're not penalized. Thus, as long as you tell someone your stake, they can run good accounting for you for currently a couple pennies. So <clears throat> what will happen to AA if Ethereum price jumps to 400 USD? I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe people still put in the same amount of ETH. I don't know. It's a good question. I'd be happy to find out. If I already did some transforming of ETH to hex, can I still get the bonus? It's logged on entry, so you need to sort that. You need to click your referral link. You need to click a referral link before uh, entering. Once you've entered, uh, you can't get the bonus. You have to get it when you entered the AA. Once again, Google Richard Hart, 19K. Richard Hart win 19K Bitcoin. You'll see where I call the short and why. Somebody says, can we brainstorm what dApps you could develop that would use Hex to stake, like a dating app or decentralized loan app? Well, someone already made a Ponzi on it, so we know you can build on top of Hex. The question is, what do you want to build? You could build anything you want on top of it. The, uh, the code is open to be called from other contracts, so you can build trustless distributed finance on top of Hex. Richard, so many support, you know that we have your back. Thanks, bro. I appreciate that, man. It does help. Dan says he enjoyed Adam Stokes as a guest. Hopes he's back on someday. Intelligent guy. Yeah, I like him. I'd like to do another show with him. It's fun. 
Do I recommend any altcoin? If you need anonymity, Monero works good. Uh, if you like distributed finance, Ethereum's amazing. If uh, if you're into mad gains, I think Hex has a lot of potential. Who knows what will happen, but I think it has potential. It's low low market cap, innovative, new, amazing thing. Richard Hart, you was crying like a bitch because you went down with Bitcoin. So don't sit here acting like the shit if you didn't even take your own advice and didn't sell. 8,500 is when I did my event on text stream. The price went down to 3K. What do you want me to tell you? <laughs> like, I can't, I can't be more clear. I called the 20K Christmas at 4K. I called the short at 19K. I called... The bear market 8,500, and I called the close shorts at 4K. I can't help you more than that. It's it's all public record. <clears throat> Why is it called the SENS Foundation? Well, it stands for Strategies for Engineered Negligible Senescence, which is kind of science-y. So SENSE, like it makes sense, S-E-N-S, seemed better to them. I don't think it's actually a good brand name, but that was his idea when he made it, Aubrey de Grey. Somebody says, I've recently bought Hex and I'm excited to see where it's going in the future. I'm excited to see too. It's really, really cool. Somebody says, lol, so your argument is that crypto goes up, so Hex will go up. <laughs> lol, yeah, it actually sucks that it's that way, it doesn't it? Wouldn't it be cooler if people actually chose winners and losers? But instead, yes, like crypto goes up when it shouldn't. And some like it's shorting crypto is not a recipe for success. <laughs> You'll get wrecked on the first double. Like, certain crypto is dangerous. Can you run the good accounting function for someone else in the current UI? You need to use Etherscan to do it or do it another way. So, etherscan.io is the way that you would run good accounting easiest currently. Because right now you can do good accounting for yourself very easily through uh, go.hex.win, but if you want to do it for someone else, it's not in there yet. And it may never be in there because no expectations, right guys? <clears throat> if I hold instead of staking, is there a penalty? No, you're just, other people are getting new hex for being staked and you're not. So they're just like diluting you a little bit. They're diluting you at a maximum of 3.69% per year. It's likely to be less than that. Bitcoin has diluted its holders far, far more than that in the 10 years that it began. So it's, it's better at the end of launch phase, the inflation is better than Bitcoin ever was in the first 10 years of its existence. I'm just gonna delete the idiots from chat. It's hilarious. Goodbye. If I answer your question three times and they don't understand it, it's just like spam. Someone asked question, how are you going to promote hex in the future? I'm not. No expectations of profit from the work of others have done. 
Have no expectations, sir. I used to have a Chihuahua. Give us a call right here, right now. Sure. I have no idea what's going on. So hopefully the happening pumps everything. Yay. But maybe it's already priced in. Maybe we dump. I don't know. I have no idea. And I'd, I'd rather do other cooler things than sit and look at charts. It's cancer. Can you share your YouTube analytics demographic with us? Sure. One moment. Mm. Where is it? I haven't looked this up in a long time. Studio. And then analytics. So over the last 28 days, 203K views, 88,000 hours. Uh, in the last 48 hours, 5,200 views. And my Roger Ver video got like 32K views. My video I did before that, well, I don't know if it was before that, but whatever one's the next one down the screen got 20k views this one that I'm on right now apparently he's got 2500 views and what do you want audience audience countries 37% US 10% UK 6% Canada 6% Australia 4% Germany Netherlands, Sweden, Switzerland, Austria, Norway, France, Ireland, India, Belgium, Spain, Thailand, Poland. In that order. Everybody's about 25 to 44. 40% and or 35% 25 to 34. 35% uh, 35 to 44. Gender 96% male. What else? Did that answer your questions? I hope that answers your questions. Your argument against the problem of 51% tax on BTC or any other proof of work corn coin be made for civil problem Chainlink has? Yeah. Yes. Um, You have a quick funny joke? No. 
Somebody says the buy disc order book is empty. Just go to a different pair, dude. It's not empty. I'm sure it's full on the sell side. So I'm sure there's cells all the way from one sat up to 60 sats or something. So you could buy at one sat there, but nobody's emptying the one sat to replace it with bids because they can buy cheaper on the Ethereum pair. So trade the Ethereum pair. As long as the AA ratio that people can mint their own hex is more affordable than the exchange price, then people will arbitrage it and sell the exchange price down thinking that they could reacquire the next day at a good deal or with inventory that they already got at a good deal. So, <clears throat> you know, it, it's no big deal, man. So this is the effect of a unit's choice. So the coin's optimized for performance in units later with higher values. It's not optimized for units now when there's just too many damn digits, too many billions to support uh, the one sat for this day or two uh, at day 30. You don't know when it could change. At any moment, the price could 10x, and then you're gonna be back on the Satoshi pair again. It's not, it's, it's not designed and optimized for day 30. <clears throat> and it's on an exchange with no volume and blah, 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 so. It could be, it, I don't know why everyone's freaking out over what's going on on day 30. It's like, chill. Showed you guys the ES chart. ES chart, go look at it. 350 period launch, just like X. We're very similar. Go look at the chart, I published it. <clears throat> if you want, you can go to t.me forward slash hex crypto, type exclamation mark deal and it will paste the chart for you, the Twitter links to the chart, and then you can go learn. It's not not unpredictable what's occurring here. Mm. Or at least to say there's precedent for similar things, price-wise. Somebody here saying I changed, somebody's saying I'm called 50K when we went to 20K, no. I called the short and I was getting shit for it. So I trolled everybody by putting 50K in, in the title to punish the people that were trolling me for being short. I'm sorry, you don't understand that. You're dumb. Maybe you should have been around back then and you know what you're talking about. Somebody asked if there's a document that shows how to run the good accounting function. Uh, I heard that someone was writing one, Kyle. So you can ask Kyle about it in chat. Did Google ban MetaMask? No, they, they took MetaMask beta mobile off of the Play Store, which Android users use, and then they put it back on. So that's it. It's back. I don't think Hex works through MetaMask Mobile, so you can like view. I, I don't think it works through MetaMask Mobile. It's gotta be on desktop currently, unless you're using you know a different UI like EtherScan or something. Somebody at.
So, in summary, I like where Hex is going. I think it's doing very well. I can't wait to see some people optimize some things. Like, I'd like to see prettier banner ads. I'd like to see prettier text in the banners. Uh, I'd like to see more referrers onboarded. I'd like to see more people uh, free claiming. What else? Like, that's all going pretty good. You know, 1K to 3K BTC claims a day, 7 to 21 million a day. It's pretty good. Um, I don't know how much better it could be. Uh, it's pretty good. What else? I think that the Uniswap thing is awesome, that anyone can get in or out whenever they want. Um, another uh, another two new sites came up doing analytics, which I can't remember their names right now, so I have to have to go back in the chat and find the notice of someone telling me about them. What other new things do we have? Uh, if you go to go.hex.win, there's now totals at the bottom of the columns. The columns are sortable. The uh, It will tell you how much your share of the big payday is on your stakes that are set to expire uh, on or after the big payday occurs on day 353, which is awesome. Um, now that number will go up if people close the stakes and will go down if people open stakes. So it's, you know, real-time updating uh, shows you what your share of uh, big payday will be. And then as we march to day 353 when it happens, the number gets more and more accurate. What else? There might be some other... There's like a notice, like if you use the AA system and uh, you know you enter a lobby after the lobby closes it reminds you that you should you know mint your coins it's like a green pop-up there is that it the only thing is i can think of that are uh cool that have occurred in the go.hex.win interface all right well it was good talking to you guys i guess uh, you're happy i didn't find the end button because we got to talk for another 40 minutes or whatever. <laughs> All right, guys. It's good talking to you. Uh, go to pumpamentals.com. Go to hex.win. Sign up uh, Twitter doc, uh, youtube.com forward slash Richard Hart and twitter.com forward slash Richard Hart win. And uh, I'll chat with you guys there. TWME forward slash hex crypto is where I spend my days chatting to folks. It's good talking to you guys.